Welcome to the Arms Race, the podcast where we try to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history, currently by watching each Sylvester Stallone movie. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keane, and today we're discussing Spy Kids 3 Game Over, also known as Spy Kids 3D Game Over, released by Dimension Films on July 25th, 2003, starring Antonio Banderas, who is inexplicably top billed. <laughs> Carla Gugino <laughs> makes his appearance with about three minutes to yeah, go we'll in the t- movie. We'll talk about it. Carla Gugino, you know, they were stars of the first two movies. Uh, Alexa Vega, Daryl Sabara, a mostly CGI Ricardo Montalban, Holland Taylor, Mike Judge, and Sylvester Stallone with many more cameos, too many to mention. Script and score by Robert Rodriguez, edited and directed by Robert Rodriguez, because Robert Rodriguez can't help himself. He's got to give himself a crazy credit. Uh, Salma Hayek doesn't crack the, those credits. She didn't. I mean, I had to cut it off at some point, yeah, so she didn't make it high enough in the credits. For well, uh, uh, mainly because she has as much screen time as Mike Judge, so that's the only reason that. Uh, that's true. I mean, yeah, you're right to point that out. Maybe I cut it off right between Mike Judge and Salma Hayek, <laughs> which is unfair to her. So you, that, that would, that's correct. All right, fair enough. So this was my pick. Let me just lead off by saying, I think I've done us all a great service here. Why is that? Because when we were finishing in the final season of Schwarzenegger, when it was Bad Puns and Machine Guns, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of the dregs left. I have now cleared out Silly Stallone. Without a doubt, Judge Dredd in the final season will be better than what this is. I don't know. This might be uh, an interesting episode. I mean... Oh, please, no. (laughs) Yep. Are you serious? Wait, we'll talk about it. I I have complicated opinions about this movie. I can tell you my opinion is not complicated. (laughs) I can tell. Well, before we get into the quality of this movie or lack thereof, uh, depending on your point of view... Uh, it's worth pointing out, you watched this in 3D, and I did not. After you and I discussed, you know, the means by which we were going to watch it, I discovered yeah. that the as of today, as of the time we're recording this, in early September, it is available for free to watch on YouTube. Someone just uploaded huh. it in HD <laughs> over a month ago now, and it has not been pulled down. So <laughs> you didn't hear that from me, people, but uh, <laughs> Those Google bots, they're like, eh, does this really matter? Well, nah, let this one go. I think Robert Rodriguez actually owns the rights to all his movies, uh-huh. and I wonder if, because he like basically makes these movies in his garage, which you can tell. Uh, so I, I wonder, he doesn't. he probably doesn't have a legal team to chase this stuff down, so I wonder if that's why. <laughs> I like that you put in the time to search these things out and find well, that they're available on YouTube. I saw that it wasn't available to rent on Amazon, so I went, okay. There I, are a lot that are not available to rent on Amazon. Yeah, it's, it's surprising. It's becoming a problem, actually. Well, that, that's the splintering of the media landscape, which we've discussed in the past. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, went, I go to YouTube next after Amazon. I don't like iTunes, so I try to avoid it if at all possible. I will, I will rent something on iTunes as a last resort. But I went to YouTube. Usually stuff's rentable on YouTube, and it is. You can pay four bucks to rent it on YouTube, or <laughs> you can just watch the guy who uploaded it for free, which is what I did. And uh, we I, see I, how the market works. If there is something that is identical that you could pay for or not pay for. I was literally hovered over the rent three ninety nine button, and then I went, wait a minute, there's another video right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I I don't have any guilt about it. I mean, whatever. Uh, you could have to, you could have done the same thing I did. We both are members of the same library system, and you could have went and got it there. That's so. that's what I was planning to do until I saw it for free on YouTube. But anyway, I bring all this up to say I did not watch it in 3D. You did watch it in 3D. I don't know if that impacted your no. It was enjoyment. just for me. It was just as bad in 3D as my second viewing through. I did not do in the annoying 3D, and it wasn't any better. Okay, so I, I was gonna say maybe it was because. 
Because this, this is in the old-style red and blue glasses 3D, right? So and that hurts yes. your eyes, which the movie actually comments on. So I was wondering if maybe that was the reason why you were not having a good time. Uh, no, it was the script, or lack thereof, sure. is the reason I was not having a good time. Well, I mean, should we just get into it now? I mean, here's, here's my point of view on this movie, which is... The, the the story is obviously total nonsense. It doesn't hang together in the slightest. No. But this is a movie that just lives in the moment, every single moment, for better and for worse. In the moment, I was engaged and I was actually kind of enjoying it. I mean, it's obviously targeted at kids. Yeah, it doesn't um, help that we're not even within three decades of the target audience, no. probably. But I was able to calibrate my, you know, it's uh, within 30 seconds, this movie makes it pretty clear. Like, this is for kids. Like, okay, so I'm not going to judge it on any basis other than that. And I'm going, okay, I'm going to try and put myself in, in the shoes of, like, you know, I'm a kid watching this. And moment to moment, I was just really engaged. Every moment I found to be kind of either exciting or interesting or creative or whatever, there's a lot of creativity in this movie. And yet, every single moment has totally disregarded everything that's come before it. On the plot level, each scene exists in its own little bubble, and nothing that came before it matters, and nothing that came after comes after it matters. Even individual scenes, like individual moments. Like here's a couple examples. Number one, like you know, we'll talk about the plot in, in uh, the big picture segment, but like just briefly. There's an idea in this video game world where someone is the guy and they're going to be like the, the person who is going to be like awesome at the game and beat the game. You mean before he's Frodo? Yes, we'll get to it. <laughs> but right before uh, yeah, Elijah Wood suddenly enters the movie for no reason, I wrote down Deus Ex Elijah. When I wrote, <laughs> uh, um, a new term has been yes. created. But um, they declare he wins a race, like a, a, a video game race. They go, oh, wow, you're awesome. You must be the guy. And then one scene later, literally one scene later, it's like, ooh, there's, a, there's something in this game called the Deceiver. Maybe he's the Deceiver. He must not be the guy. It's like, you just... What, what was the point of this whole race to determine whether or not he was the guy? And then suddenly there it's was like, maybe he's Because not. the next scene, you need to have it where they're wary of him and turn on him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the, the scene where they're wary on him and turn on him, is that scene Calm has forgotten yes. that the previous scene even, even happened. And it comes out of nowhere. <laughs> it does. There's, there's no hint or indication at any point preceding that. That that turn is going to be but, there. The same thing that there's... Well, whatever. There, this movie leans into that, I think, to a degree where I was willing to go with it. It's just like, you know what? This movie just lives in the moment, and you have to just accept it moment to moment. You can't look at this plot on like as a whole, because it's not designed to hold together. Anymore. All right. I'll, look, I'll grant you that we're not the target audience. But here's the thing. I have watched... There's plenty of good examples of movies that are written and intended for this same demographic that... Hold together as a plot sure. and are entertaining. Are well written and are good well stories. Written are good and stories. Have, have good characters right. with depth. So, yeah. This movie has none of those things. No. I, I will acknowledge that. <laughs> so let, that's to me is I don't I I tried I did not judge based on the actors because almost all of them were kids. Yeah, for the most part, not not at the very end, but most of them. So I wasn't going to judge it on that. Well, and even the adult actors are pitched. They're, they're acting in a way that is very stilted and artificial. Like, Salma Hayek can do much better than this. Yes. She's obviously being directed to, you know, I mean, George Clooney is in this movie, and even he is. <laughs> As El President. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, he is stiff and awkward in this movie. Everybody is. Right. I mean, some of that is just they're on green screens. It's, in that, it's that Star Wars In problem. a garage, according to you. I mean, that's how it feels. I saw the budget. I'm, I'm curious when we get there, if you have something similar, but I was shocked at the number. 
Um, but, you know, the Star Wars movies have very stiff, awkward acting, and it's because everyone's standing on a green screen. They don't know what, where they are. They don't know, am I in a closet or am I in a grand plaza? I don't know. It's, I'm in the middle of a green screen. And so, and half the time you're talking to a cardboard cutout of an alien. It's like, this has that same problem. It does, but I'll still go back to my issue with it is that it doesn't have any of the elements of a good story or a good movie. No, you're right. So I understand the target audience, and I'm willing to try. I, I'm not good at putting myself as a 10-year-old, but I'm, I would be willing to look past many things if this had any semblance of being well thought out and thought through, but it doesn't. So to me, it's just it's not a good movie. It's, it's not a good story. Oh. That doesn't necessarily mean it's not a good movie, in my opinion. The story this is, is total nonsense. So many times. I mean, what, when else have we? Do- I mean, we've had a few where you're willing to forgive things. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on in a movie, and like for instance, you know the the video game part of it is nonsense. I was trying to make sense of like, how does this game work? You can't. There's nothing. There is no substance to it. So there's nothing to, to de- deconstruct. There's just a different, an, a new level number that's assigned to something that is a different location. Sure. And there's no sequence that you need to get to other than because it tells you that you're at level one. There's nothing that builds on the preceding levels that would indicate, oh, yeah, okay, so I went from level one to level two. It's just because somebody in the movie told you this is level two. Yeah. They're all effectively uh, self-contained. There's no progression. It's like it's not like here's the same thing, but more more challenging. It's here's an entirely new thing that's arbitrarily level two. Level one could easily have been level two, and vice versa. These are just in in an arbitrary order. I totally agree. There's nothing that you've said that I disagree with. It's just that I was enjoying the set pieces. I mean, this is just a series of set CGI set pieces. They stick. You know, these actors on a green screen, and there's a bunch of CGI video game, quote-unquote, scenery around them. Going on in the background. Um, you know, plus Ricardo's, Ricardo Montalban's head put <laughs> pasted on top of a robotic body. That I did actually kind of enjoy. <laughs> I loved that. I, there are stuff in this movie that I really enjoyed, despite the fact that the, the story is one of the worst m- movie stories I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. And this, every this character is paper thin, and you know, every, there's nothing to the story. This isn't the team photo for me of worst we've ever covered. Really? Yep. That's surprising to me. It's nowhere near that for me. All right. Well, so I could tell from the opening. So you ready to uh, get into this? Sure. Let's get into All it. Right, let's do it. I'm looking at the wrong screen. I need to get in my own virtual world. Apparently so. You better get your soundboard up, too. It's up. It's on the other. All right. Here we go. What day is it? What year? All right. July 25th, 2003. And I was very surprised by everything in this background on this movie. Budget-wise, as well as box office, as well as opening number one. I never would have guessed that this movie opened number one. The Spy Kids movies were pretty big. No, they were. But the reason that I thought going into this is because this effectively, I know it wasn't the last one because they wound up doing one almost a decade later, I think. Yeah, that I didn't know about. I knew about this movie. I didn't know about the fourth one. Yeah, so the reason I thought, I thought this must not have well, not, not have performed well at the box office. I do remember the first one being like an, a surprise bonanza. Yeah. The second one building off of that in terms of box office, but I didn't know if it was as well received. This one, I thought it was both critically and financially a failure. Critically, I think it was. Financially, not at all. Sure, justifiably so. I'm going to defend this movie, but I, if I was a paid movie critic... You would have savaged this. 
I mean, I would have given it under two stars. I wouldn't have given it zero stars, but I'm not going right. to say this is good. Well, a $38 million budget, which I'm not sure, unless George Clooney demanded $30 million. Yeah, I don't understand where that $38 million went. I, I mean, uh, the 3D effects, I would guess, had to cost something. But Maybe. They're not, like, the, even by 2003 standards. They were not good. I mean, they're not, they're not photorealistic. They're not trying to be photorealistic. So, I mean, it's a stylized thing. But, yeah, I, I don't know where $38 million went. $30 million of it had to go to George Clooney. That, that, no, that's my he, I'll bet he didn't, he didn't charge them his usual fee for his one scene. None of them probably scenes. did. No. Uh, so then, on the box office side, this was shocking to me. Worldwide box office for this movie was just under $200 million. Yeah. 197011982 On that, most of it on the domestic side, and almost $112 million in domestic uh, gross, and then just over $85 million in foreign gross. I suspect they would have kept making movies, except these kids were just getting too old. Well, yeah. And that's maybe... I didn't even think that that was the reason why. I think that probably the critical reviews of these probably also had a little bit of an impact. It certainly wasn't financially. These were making money hand over fist, yeah. apparently. Yeah. So it did, as I said, open. It was the number one uh, movie in America at just over... Uh, just under $33.5 million in the opening weekend. And it opened at number one. Number two... Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Oh, yeah. The first one, right? Uh, no, I, that's, Is it? I think that's the first one. Because the second one was At World's End, and no, the third one's At World's End. Yeah, I think Black Pearl. I think Pirates of the Caribbean is just Pirates of the Caribbean, no, the first one. it had a subtitle. I think okay. it's Curse of the Black Pearl. That's, that's, I still like that movie, even though Boy has that series shit the bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm so disappointed. I so love that first movie, and... You know, you can't admit it anymore. Like it's that that series is so tarnished now, okay. and Johnny Depp himself is so right. that, tarnished. Like that's everything. what I would say is like even maybe more tarnished than the series is Johnny Depp. Everything, yeah, it's, uh, it's too bad because I love that first Pirates movie. Really, so I you know I kind of was take it or leave it, and I, I didn't really like any of them that much. So that that series never really grew on me. I mean, it's a, it's a little overly long the first movie, but compared to the sequels. Like, it, it looks better compared to how the bloated sequels that came after it. But I, I like the first one still. All right. So, number three is a sequel that you are a big fan of, and I'm still not sure why. What's that? Will Smith, Martin Lawrence, Bad, oh, Bad Boys, Boys 2. 2. It's very watchable. That's all, all right. I'll say. Also, speaking of bloated and overly long, this was the period. This is like the Lord of the Rings era where every movie had to be three hours long. <laughs> Good Lord. I just, uh, I just bought Avengers Endgame on uh, uh, 4K. And I was like, I'm going to sit down and watch it. And then I was like, oh, right, I forgot this is a three-hour movie. I'll watch this another time. Oh, <laughs> well, you can watch it in halves, maybe. It's this like mo- a football game. This movie reminded me of Avengers Endgame in one particular way, which we'll get to later. <laughs> There's a quote I never thought I would hear. <laughs> you'll, you'll see what I mean. Uh, another franchise, another video game franchise, also opening in its first week at number four, not a good sign, Lara Croft Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. Oh, that might have been the sequel... They I made two remember. of those. Yes, they did make two of those. That might have been the sure. second one. Uh, but actually, not a terrible opening, although it is July. Uh, just under $22 million uh, for an opening weekend. But opening at number four is not a good spot to, to be in. No. I mean, I don't think the first movie was all that well-received. No. I saw it and didn't like it. Number five, actually also opening in theaters new uh, in its first week. But this, I think, was a pretty strong showing. Seabiscuit, just under $21 million. I think that's a pretty strong opening for that type of movie. Sure. For I don't know if it was... Period con- film? Yeah, I don't know if it was counter-programming. When you think of the, the, top, the rest of the top five, they're all basically action franchises of some sort. 
Uh, number six, a not well-received, but it's a movie that I'm somewhat embarrassed that I enjoy. And I think it was only made because intellectual property had burned off on all of the characters. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, okay. I'm embarrassed to admit that I like that movie. I've never seen it. Uh, I'm sure Sean Connery does regrets choosing to make that movie and be Alan Quartermain as opposed to the Lord of the Rings franchise. Yeah, I mean, uh, isn't that his last movie? Like, that was the movie that drove Sean Connery out of show business, basically. I think so. I'm not sure if he did anything after yeah, the League I'm, of I'm pretty sure that's Gentlemen. his last movie. He's uh, still alive. He could make another one. You never know. He could. And speaking of still making movies, one of Arnold's movies is still hanging around in the top ten. Is this the year for Collateral Damage? I'm giving you the talk to the hands. Oh, signal. Terminator 3. Oh, T3, boy. Rise of the Machines. I keep forgetting so how- he was back. He was back. He'll be back again soon. Right? Yes. As of the time this is out, it'll, he'll, that'll already be out, I think. Yeah. I always forget that T3 is so late. It's 2003. He took a long hiatus, right? A long to, time. Between, to be a politician. It seems like less time now between T2 and T3 than it actually was. Absolutely. Uh, rounding out the top ten, Finding Nemo is hanging around uh, at number eight uh, with about $4 million in box office, but it's its ninth week, so sure. it, it has already had a great run. Yeah, it, it, Spy Kids, uh, I, I think when you compare the two, it's, if they were coming out at the same time, I'm let's, sure. Let's not, even, yeah, let's not even compare the yeah, two. Finding Nemo's good. Uh, number nine, Johnny English. The only thing I know about that is that it has to be a uh, Rowan Atkinson movie, um, also known as Mr. Bean. Yeah, it's a Bond parody. Yeah. I've never seen it. Neither have I. I'm not a huge fan of his. Nah. I will say, the favorite thing of his he ever did is at the uh, London Olympics opening ceremony. I don't remember. That's funny. They did a, um, what's what's the movie? Chariots of Fire, and they played the the theme from Chariots of Fire. You know that? Yeah. And and in the song, there's just a synthesizer just playing one note over and over. It's just like a da 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 you know? And he went out there and he just played that one note, da, 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 and then he started doing shtick. Like he, got, he started getting bored, like oh, just playing this one note, and then he started like had to scratch his nose and stuff. Like it's funny shtick considering like it's at this giant arena. Yeah, um, it worked very well. Like right. I, it's it's pretty funny. Look it up. All right. Finally, in the top ten, another sequel, Legally Blonde Two: Red, White, and Blonde. I've heard those movies are good. I've never seen them. So I don't know. Yeah. I've never been. I was never a huge Reese Witherspoon fan, so that's that's part of it. I have no strong opinion about Reese Witherspoon, one way or the other. All right, two thousand three for TV ratings. This is where it's always good because it's mostly reality TV, other than CSI. Okay. And I like that they have to then spell out crime scene investigation. Sure. That was before there were a million of them. Yes, so. Exactly. They had to explain what CSI was back then. It was the number one show in America. That, uh, the main CSI is still on the air, right? Or is I it just the no spinoffs? Idea. I think it's still on the air. No way. I think so. That would be 16 years later? I, I know. That's, I'm, I think. Wow. I'm not going to look it up. CBS, the, you just know how to crank it out. Well, if it's not on the air, there's like nine spinoffs, so... In in spirit, it's still on the air anyway. All right, so then number two and number three, you had American Idol Tuesday and then American Idol Wednesday. Yeah, this is really at the height of it. Here's was, here's one that I was surprised, and it's probably just I don't remember like when these shows were on the air. Friends was number four. It seems like Friends would have been over by then. No, that was probably the last season or maybe the second to last. It was on for a while. All right. It started later than Seinfeld. Like You think of those as being the same time, but like Seinfeld went from, like what, 87 to 96? No, it, was not, it finished up in 97. So then, like, what, 88 to 97? It went nine yeah. years. Whereas Friends started in, like, 92 and went to 2003. Yeah, maybe you're right. All right, so number five, uh, sadly, another reality show. And this one, unfortunately, has changed the world. Oh, oh, okay. You don't even have to say. I don't want to hear it. 
I was going to get Survivor, but then once you said that, it's like, well, Survivor didn't change the world. What could it be? I, I don't want to. I don't want to hear it. The Apprentice, uh, number six. Damn you. ER is hanging around. Remember, number- remember when we were, we talked briefly about covering the Arnold Schwarzenegger season of The Apprentice on this we podcast? Did. Man, am I glad we did. <laughs> I'm so glad we did. Uh, it's, it's like we can just rewrite history and pretend none of it existed. I know. I, I shouldn't have even brought it up. Number seven was Survivor. So Survivor okay. was hanging around. I was say, I knew Survivor was still on. And apparently, point. neither you and I knew this, but there were already CSI spinoffs because CSI Miami is the number eight show. Oh, sure. The that's, the, that's the one with the, uh, David Caruso. With David Caruso. That I, you played me that YouTube video. Yeah. That was outstanding. It's really good. Ah! <laughs> Every show started the same way. It wasn't ah, it was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> Uh, number nine is a, a tie between Monday Night Football and Everybody Loves Raymond. And uh, then number ten was Without a Trace, another CBS procedural. On the history front, we're back to the S&P 500 because I missed it so much. It is just, means. just under 990 at 989.53. On July 4th, Kobe Bryant is arrested for sexual assault in Colorado, which he will later, the charges, I don't know if they were dropped or dismissed, but ultimately uh, he was not convicted of right. those charges. I kind of wonder what that that would look like today. I think it would look a little bit different than the coverage did back in 2003. It was a pretty big deal. It was. but I mean, social media wasn't as big a thing, but uh, it's hard to say. Uh, July 8th. Sadly, some history continues to repeat itself. Uh, Douglas Williams, didn't know who he was, but went on a shooting rampage in a Lockheed Martin plant in Mississippi after being fired. And unfortunately... History continues to repeat itself many times over in the late 2000s. Yeah, I know. Well, not late 2000s, but 2019. 21st century. Yes. I know, I know you've said in the past, well, this is the news section, so obviously most news is bad news. But it's like yours coming in with the like, Unabomber and like shootings. What do you want? This should, just, this should be a fun podcast about movies, and you're always coming in with, with awful things. <laughs> All right, well, mate, hold on. In July 14th. I mean, this wait. is your segment. July 14th, the United States government acknowledges the existence of Area 51. Okay. Is that good news? It's, 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 uh, you could maybe it's, quote Spinal Tap and say, it's not, there's good news or bad. There's not irrelevant news. Right. <laughs> is that from Spinal Tap? That's from The Office. Maybe right? it is from The Office. It's, it's not there's a only, saying. There's <laughs> only bad news, David. Well, the saying isn't I've got good bad news, news good and news, irrelevant right. news. <laughs> Uh, back to Area 51. Hopefully, I don't know when that those idiots are going to storm Area 51. Is that, is that happen? still happening? I think so. Because uh, I don't know. I don't know if this episode is going to post before or after that is supposedly happening. But I hope. I hope all of the military guards at Area 51 shoot every one of them. Oh jeez! They get what they deserve. You're going to storm a military base. What do you think is going to happen? It's probably not going to end. They're going to well. get tear gassed. Probably, yeah, it'll be tear gassed and probably zip tied. But honestly, I have zero sympathy for someone who tries to storm an American military base for no particular reason. We're going to get to the truth. It's like it's a Air Force testing. What do you, it's obviously there's just classified information. They're not going to let you go in. Okay. I don't. Uh, what was, is, I, was this a little bit more positive? Do you feel better about this news? I don't feel better because I, it just reminded me of the idiots who are going to try to storm Area 51 either before or All after right. the podcast. Try this one out for size. Right, July fine. 15th, the American League wins the All Star game at U.S. Cellular Field. Okay. I that's put good. that one just in there for myself because I'm a White Sox fan. Sure. Uh, July 22nd, members of the 101st Airborne of the United States, aided by special forces, attack a compound in Iraq, killing Saddam Hussein's sons, Uday and. Who? Kuse. Kuse, yeah. Yes. I'm not sure that that's... I'm, tr- I'm looking at this. You're right. Everything's bad. Hold on, though. Well, I mean, 
It is good for the U.S. military effort, so I yes. guess that's something. All right, July 24th, California Lieutenant Governor Cruz Bustamante announces that Governor Gray Davis will face a recall election on October 7th. Ah. This will be the second gubernatorial recall election in the United States history, the first one occurring 82 years beforehand. Gray Davis ultimately is recalled, and mm-hmm. I think we both know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense because if T3 was out, and this is around the time when he went on Jay Leno, Arnold did, yep. and announced he was going to run for governor of California. And it worked. It did. He became the governor. Uh, July 27th, the BBC reports that an extensive investigation of Loch Ness by a BBC team using 600 separate sonar beams found no trace of any, quote, sea monster. Sure. Uh, Loch Ness is a popular tourist attraction because of the rumors surrounding alleged monster populating the lake. The BBC team stated that it is now conclusively proven that Nessie does not exist. Guess what? I bet st- people still believe in the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> Just like if if these Area 51 people you know, conclusively prove anything, it still won't matter. People just believe what they want to believe. That is true. Uh, July 27th. I don't know why I'm in such a cranky mood. Today. I'm not sure. <laughs> Lance Armstrong wins his fifth consecutive Tour de France. However, the record books say nobody won the Tour de France this year <laughs> yes. or any of those years. What Tour de France? <laughs> exactly. There was no Tour de France that year. Uh, well, there's no winner of the Tour de France oh, that sure. year. That's for sure. And actually, they don't just a- give it to the second place person. They should. No. They, they should, just uh, they strip the title and they say there was no winner. I know it should go to. The next person. I Hopefully mean, that person wasn't also doping. That's true. At that time, who knows? Like, it's very likely. <laughs> All right. And then July 30th, the last old-style VW Beetle rolled off the assembly line in Mexico. Oh, interesting. Uh, and then so on the New York Times bestseller, this is a book that I do know. Not necessarily a fan, but The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown is the New York Times bestseller. Sure. And that. also a song that I recognize, which most of the time does not happen. Uh, it is a Beyonce, Beyonce song, Crazy in Love which you still hear all the time. Yeah, I, I'm not good with song titles from this period. I'm sure I've heard of it. You'd know it, I mean, instantly, because it's in the chorus. And I don't want to try and sing Beyonce. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> okay, I wasn't trying to lure you into singing it. Beyonce. Yeah. So that was it. That's what was happening in July of 2003. All right, cool. Let's move on to the big picture. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. All right, the big picture. This is the segment where we discuss the plot of the movie. It's about as thin as the paper that I've printed out my notes on. Is that fewer notes than normal? Like I no, don't... it's just that's how thin the plot okay. is on this You're movie. just demonstrating. Yes. You're demonstrating on this audio podcast yes. visually. Thank you. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're putting the onus on me to describe it. Uh, anyway. You want me to give my two, two yeah, or three give... sentences and see how I do? I'm surprised it's even two or three sentences, but go ahead. All right. You ready? The toy maker has created a game that will somehow control all of those that play the game. Their minds. It is unclear how or what the toy maker plans to do once he has all these minds. True. But Junie must go back to being a spy to stop the toy maker. It is unclear what type of spying is done at all as he just goes into the game, moves up levels to free his spy sister, and then the toy maker is released anyway by Ricardo Montalban. Yes, but then Ricardo Montalban, he thaws his icy heart. Sylvester Stallone's heart grew three sizes that day. (laughs) Wouldn't his heart explode, by the way? Oh, I mean, I guess, speaking of doping, yeah, so much of Stallone's heart probably can't get much bigger. We don't give him much much grief on this podcast for that. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, well, here's, here's what I'll say, first of all, about Sylvester Stallone is he's having a lot of fun in this movie. He, I enjoyed watching him have fun. 
He's just having a lot of fun, goofing but it's around. Not a great performance. No, nothing is. He, he's by the standards of this movie, he's giving the best performance. He's giving the most animated performance, but yeah, he's giving at least like five different performances. You're playing you're, five different characters. You're telling me Bill Paxton doesn't give the best performance That's in this true. movie? Bill Paxton does make an impression in his brief, but we can't jump to the end. Let's. I mean, why not? I guess it's true. Like it's what, honestly. No, wait a minute. I mean, I'm somewhat being facetious, but honestly, what is there to discuss in the plot of this movie? There are things to discuss. We can discuss individual moments. I mean, I guess we could say, or we could save that for for little details. But uh, you, we probably have to save some for little details, otherwise, I won't have much. But um, no, it starts with an opening where uh, Junie Cortez, who is the the boy spy kid. There's two spy kids, brother and sister. Junie and what's her what's Carmen. sister? Carmen. Um, but he's the focus of the, for the first half of this movie because she's missing. Yes, m- much like the parents in this movie that get top billing but are barely in it. They're the spy kids, but this is Junie's movie. Yeah. I'm sure it might be age, because he looks a lot younger, and I think he was younger, and maybe that's the reason why. Yeah, and I wonder if uh, uh, the actress who plays Carmen maybe wasn't that interested in being in this movie, because, I mean, she sings the end song, and I wonder if that was, like, Robert Rodriguez's way to lure her back, like, look, I'll let you sing the song. Could be. Like, I wonder if she wanted to be a singer and wasn't, didn't really want to be an actress anymore or something like that. Well, speaking of singing and actresses that are young... You get an introduction in Junie's first scene. What do you mean? In his, when he's inexplicably a gumshoe. He has a gumshoe, which I enjoyed. You know who his client is? No. Selena Gomez. Oh, it is her. Holy crap. That is, I think I, it's before Wizards of Waverly plays. I think this was her first, her yeah, first yeah, role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked at the kid going like, that girl looks familiar somehow. Like, Selena she Gomez. Looks, but she's dressed up like like a, a femme fatale kind of or something. I don't know what they're going for. I don't at all. It's a water park that's closed. <laughs> well, I think, uh, yeah, I don't, he's, he's taking these cases as a, as a kid gumshoe. He's saving cats from trees and things like that. And he lives in a hollowed out tree like a Keebler elf. <laughs> Or something like that. I was very confused. I thought that might have been something that you knew and was a reference from right. the past movies. I'm so. sure. I'm sure it is. There's a lot of things. This movie is not trying to get a new audience member up to speed in any way. I do like the concept of him as a Keebler elf, however. That's how. It, I mean, it, it looks like the Keebler tree. It, it I mean, really it, does. it's a hollowed out tree he lives in. Um, and then a girl helicopters in on her pigtails. It's like the, the, I'm sure this is a character from previous movies, and it's like, what is happening? I looked it up only because I was so confused yeah. her and then at the very end when there's another younger guy that is kind of paired up with carmen yeah they're the giggles right yes yeah, Something... so the two of them are brother they're rival brother and sister spy kids that right. are the kids of mike judge's character right because they're also the giggles yeah i put that together just because of the names i'm like okay there must yes. be some relation but the and movie i think doesn't... that was in the, the spy kids 2 is the movie they were introduced okay in. that makes sense i and don't then... understand how the pigtails work though because it was very confusing. Yeah, she, this little girl can fly around on pigtails, and she just flies in to tell Junior, like, you need to remember to take care of your family, and everybody's your family. Bye! And she just leaves. <laughs> She's just there to impart the, the message of the movie and then leave. I have spoken. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of that in this movie. Oh, there's a lot of that. I mean, do you think she is a... She it, would it's qualify? not long enough, but you know what? Let's do it right now, because her parents are unequivocally... Zeus's of the movie. That's funny you say that because I think Sylvester Stallone is the Zeus of this movie. So wow, we've got, we've got multiple. We've got. T- I have spoken. I have spoken. I have spoken. One too many times. No, three. Because I would say Mike Judge, Salma Hayek, and you'll say Sylvester Stallone. Sure. They all are because they check in with them, and at least with the giggles, I didn't think about Stallone. 
It's irrelevant what they have to say. The plot continues to move forward. It doesn't matter what they have to say. Well, the movie does comment on it a little bit because Junie, because at some point they contact Junie and they're like, "This is the last time like, we won't be able to provide you any more help." And he's like, "What help?" <laughs> so it's like, yeah, and he's like, "Okay, the movie is acknowledging it. It's hanging a lantern on it or whatever." whatever they the gave him Ricardo Montalban. Yeah, well, that's that's some real help. Uh, but anyway, let's back up a little bit to define to explain the Zeus of the movies or characters that. Uh, after we watched uh, Hercules in New York and Zeus is constantly looking through his crystal ball and commenting on the action. But impacts the outcome in no way. Yeah, so any character that's watching, who's, who's following the story, commenting on the story, but who's not involved in the plot in any way, those, those are the Zeus of the movie. So yeah, this, this movie takes the cake. It makes sense because there's, you know, Junie goes into the virtual world and they're monitoring him as in a spy. You know, they're the people in his ear, theoretically, even though... It doesn't seem like they're in his ear, either. No, because they, the they can't... They can't... They're not really in contact with him. They're just monitoring what's going on. But anyway, backing up a little bit, Junie has has been burned by the agency, he says. Like, he's... Apparently so. He's out. He, I don't know if he quit because he didn't want to be a part of it or if he got burned. I assume this is... That was the ending of Spy Kids, too. Who knows? But he doesn't want to be a spy anymore of the OSS, which is this nebulous spy organization. Run by President George Clooney. Yeah, President George Clooney contacts him and says, we need your help. Your sister's gone missing in in uh, the Toymaker's virtual world. He's got a new game coming out called Game Over that all the kids want to play. Would you want to play a game called Game Over, No, by the it's way? a terrible name for a video game. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's like taking a thing from a video game and, and using that as the title. It's like... Uh, Ready Player One? Yeah, but that makes sense for a movie, like yeah. or for a book. Like, yes, I understand. A, a video game called Ready Player One would feel weird because it's like that's just a thing that you see in a, in a video game. Um, no, it's like it would be like if you called a movie like Cinematography or something like that. Right. You know what I mean? Like it just it's key grip. Yeah, calling a video game game <laughs> over. Uh, yeah, because then when you get a game over, it's like the title screen. Like you wouldn't it's be able very to distinguish. Confusing. Yeah, it'd be very confusing. But it's a, it's a virtual reality game in 2003, which, you know, you just have to accept this is a world where that's a thing that can happen. Yeah. Nobody had a virtual reality in their home in 2003. People barely have them now. And But anyway, you just every kid is going to want to play this game, and they have to stop the toy maker because the toy maker is going to control their minds. Enslave children using this game. Because or they're, yeah, because they're the future. Right. He thinks by controlling children's minds... Why only children? I mean, this is 2003. Adults were playing plenty of video games. I mean, this is... By, by then, I would guess, actually, that was probably, for many of the game makers, depending on what type of game, was probably more of a, yeah, totally. a lucrative market than it was kids. This seems like such, such an outdated point of view. Concept. Just like, yeah. all the kids in the world. It's like, well, what if an adult plays it? Is the adult also brainwashed? Why not just brainwash everybody? Well, I took it's, it it's as so specific a, about I, the kids. Well, I took it as everybody would be, their minds would be controlled by the toy maker, but this... Just focused on kids, probably because the movie itself's target was kids. Any, any adult who plays it, that's just a bonus. Yeah. Mind control. It's like, ah, you know what, we'll grab them too. But think about it. Wouldn't you want to try and lure in President Clooney more than all of the kids? Couldn't you control far more if you got a few key people? Well, he seems hip to the, the, the fact. I mean, he used to be the head of the OSS. Yeah. I like how he says, um, I think I'm dipping into my questions, but I like how he says that I was, I was the head of the OSS. When I, when I was the head of the OSS, I controlled the country, but now I want people to really know I control the country, which is why I, I became president. president. I don't even think he says he ran for president. He just says, that's why I became president. <laughs> like he, just, he just used his spy powers to, uh, you know, I mean, not too implausible these days, but um, to, to manipulate elections. But, um, but, but uh, 
He's like, people didn't know that I ran the country because the OSS is so secret. Next scene, Junie is flying to a building in in the shape of OSS. No, it's not just a sign that says OSS. The The, the buildings themselves are in shapes of letters OSS. It's the equivalent of driving through London and James Bond walks into a giant building that says M. Literally, is M I (laughs) six. Imagine if there was a dot in the eye. How would you make that work for a building? That would be some engineering feat right there. It definitely would have to be capital capital I, yeah. without a doubt. I mean, there is an MI6 building on the Thames. That's like a real building yes, that they use but in the does, Bond movies. But yes, yeah, it is a real building. But you wouldn't, it wouldn't be in the shape of MI6, and it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be so, like, yeah, or like Langley. It would just be in the shape of CIA. Anyway, so yeah, Junie... Because his sister is trapped in the game, he goes into he's the game. He's going to go to rescue her. Yeah, and he meets some beta testers. Right. Well, first he stumbles his way through level level one. There's like toads on pogo sticks, and then he falls into a sewer and gets chastised by a robotic uh, Sylvester Stallone floating head. There's a lot of stuff going on in this movie that I'm sure you know. We'll, we'll, there's no point in covering much of it, but no. just to kind of get a flavor of what's going on in this movie. There's a lot of stuff happening. There's a whole sequence of, of pogo toads. Right. And then he, he gets out of the sewer, and there's like a field full of like walking target, like bullseye target practice And all robots. of that stuff is just to have 3D effects. That's what's so annoying. Sure. Is that it's so thin because it's just, well, put 3D glasses on now. But it's a 3D movie. It's, that's, that's the appeal of it. I, I didn't look it up, but this must have been the first 3D movie in theaters for a long time. Probably. It's not like how it is now, or they, they even movies that have no business being 3D, they'll, they'll you know, artificially, you know, this movie was filmed at least in 3D. It was intended, Unlike, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. It was designed around the 3D as, as a gimmick. It, it, you're right. That did not make it good, because it leaned mostly on that, frankly. Here's what I think it comes down to. And it's funny, because I, I was in Disney World recently, and I went and I saw the Muppet 3D uh, attraction at Hollywood Studios. And, you know, I watched that, and it was like, this isn't, it's not a movie, it's not really telling a story, it's just a bunch of 3D gags and, like, you know, shtick. The Muppets doing shtick and finding excuses to do 3D stuff. And this is essentially a full-length version of that. It's like... You could see a ten minute or like Captain EO, although that's you know I don't, I don't that was the Michael Jackson 3D thing at Epcot I, that I is would, no longer there because <laughs> I'm sure for lots of reasons, but it, uh, in I particular, would rather see the Terminator 2 ride oh, that the has 3D, 3D ride, that yeah. we did a, did an episode on. I'd much rather see yeah. that than this. But that's a, that's a good comparison too, even though I've never actually seen that in person. You uh, saw it on YouTube. You saw it on YouTube. Uh, I don't think that episode got brought over to the arms race feed unfortunately oh that's too bad that was actually a really good episode yeah some of those bonus episodes i didn't carry over but um oh man especially we just that just to to highlight on it the time that went into the videos that people would watch while standing in line waiting to get into that ride were outstanding as i recall yeah and that's true this obviously this is a movie and not an attraction like that so you don't get like the cool like in line like flavor but this kind of feels like a feature-length version of that, which is too long, frankly. I mean, yeah, 10 minutes is probably the, the right length for just a bunch of 3D, 3D gags. gags. Yeah. But, you know, the Terminator 3D ride didn't have much of a story. It was just like, the robots are attacking, and then they go into the, the future, and There's it's like... college roommates. I mean, yes, <laughs> that's a different kind of gag. Um, yeah, <laughs> Arnold kills a robot and says he was college's roommate. 
Um, but you know, <laughs> they fight the T one. The T one. They fight the T one million, and they swing across a big pit of liquid metal. And it's like the the story in that is ridiculous. But so what? It's it's it's, it's not minutes. intended to be right. Right. I mean, that's the difference. But I mean, it's, the the story in these things are not intended to be dissected it's just a flimsy facade to hang on 3d gags and this is essentially what that is and that's yes. that's what this game is he's going through these levels and it's a bunch of 3d gags the the toads on pogo sticks and the you know right. they, he gets bounced to the moon and there's a big like robo mech fight yeah it's almost like rock'em sock'em robots in a way yeah and then he wins the fight he gets help from his grandfather played by ricardo Montalban. Yes. <laughs> well, he gets an opportunity to bring in help for reasons that are not explained well, i think i think the actual reason is the toy maker wants to bring in Ricardo Montalban because he's got a secret plan. Yeah, but it's not revealed until later. Right. They just say, oh, Junie, you can bring in anyone, any of your yes. family members. So what would happen if he chose someone other than Ricardo Montalban? The toy he, maker's plans would have been foiled, I guess. I don't know. Because he could have chose Danny Trejo, which I would have been far That's more true. excited about. I forgot Danny Trejo's character in these movies is Machete, who has gone on to make very R-rated movies. <laughs> you know, and The fact that it's the same character is funny to me. It's outstanding. Yeah. Uh, yeah I totally forgot that... Uh, I mean, I, I had seen most of the first Spy Kids on cable in bits and pieces. So, yeah, I, I remember him being a highlight of Spy Kids 1. But, yeah, he's in this movie for 10 seconds. He doesn't even say anything. That's true, yeah. He just stands he, there. He, he says, Familia. That's like, oh. like, this is one line. It's Familia. That's right. Uh, <laughs> we'll get there. But, I mean, yeah, he gets, he, he gets a, a menu of family members who are, are not interested in being in this movie. So, he ends up getting Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> I like how that's how you you came to the conclusion of how he winds up on Grandpa's. The others didn't want to be in this movie. I mean, I, I'll, I'll bet if uh, um, um, Carla Gugino or or uh, Antonio, Antonio Banderas had the time or capacity or interest in being in this movie, it would have been one of them. Yeah, I'm as sure opposed it to Grandpa. I don't remember if Ricardo Montalban is in. I mean, I, I've never seen two. I don't remember if he was in the first one. I have no idea, but. It's it's probably the highlight of the movie because it's so bad it's entertaining. It's I, no, I don't think it's so bad. I think oh. this is like genuinely fun in a silly way. Ricardo Montalban because he's he's old and he's in a wheelchair, and then so he shows up in the VR world, um, and he's still in a wheelchair in the VR world. Initially, he has to be given a leg power up, the mega legs. It makes to, no to, sense. There's no power ups anywhere. But there, there's this one that shows up to give him a poor man's Iron Man suit. I don't sure. even know what he's in. Well, I think, again, I think it's the toy maker manipulating things and saying, oh, I want Grandpa to have mega legs so he can... So he can chase after the butterfly. Yeah, so he can... The butterfly is like a spy for the toy maker, though. So these are all things we learn later. It is kind of funny initially where it's like, I'm in this virtual world and I have legs. And it's just like, here's what I do with my time is run after this butterfly. It almost feels like I'm going to take it. Part. I mean, it, it, it in the moment it feels like he's just like I'm going to take advantage of these legs. Yes. I'm going to chase this butterfly all around I the moon. I have no interest in Saving a mission whatsoever. <laughs> no, I can walk again. I'm going to use every minute of it I can. Yeah, that's that's how it feels. But then later you learn the butterfly is like a spy for the toy maker. But how did he know that? He didn't know that. Well, because he has history with the toy maker. The toy maker put him in the wheelchair, and so he must know how the toy maker thinks or something. Oh, God. Anyway, and and also we keep cutting to the toy maker in totally unrelated and unremarkable scenes. Yes, very Zeus-like where Stallone is hamming it up. He didn't seem the least bit embarrassed at how much he was hamming it up and in this ridiculous movie he's in. In other, like, science fiction-y movies that he's in, like Guardians of the Galaxy 2, 
you get a little bit of a sense of just like he's a little sheepish like I don't want to be in this movie or like I'm a little embarrassed to be in this sci-fi thing like you can kind of tell when he feels like he's not committed or he's a little embarrassed I was surprised at how committed he was in this movie. Like he goes for it, and I enjoyed it. Uh, he goes for it. I did not enjoy it. So he plays a toy maker, and then he created like three virtual like. He's talking to himself. There's like a, a smart. Uh, it actually kind of mirrors the three beta tester kids that uh, yeah. Junie friend Francis. There's a smart one for the beta testers. There's a strong one. In, in uh, the toy maker's case, there's like a general, like a yes. World War One general, with like a spike on his head. Wilhelm. Yes, and then. Uh, there's, well, for the beta testers, there's a cool one. I guess for Stallone, it's like that hippie yes. part of his... I don't know if I'd call him the cool one. Uh, but it's similar enough where it's like there there's there, there are aspects of his personality, I guess, and he created them, these virtual avatars, so he can have someone to talk to. Yes, and, and to bounce pl- ideas off yeah, of. Yeah, and plot his revenge. But anyway, we're... Uh, there's makes, a race. Yeah, whatever. He wins the race. Elijah <laughs> Woods shows up. No, we get, there's, there's, there's more between there and that. <laughs> you just want to skip over everything. Regardless of whether you think it's meaningful, there's stuff that happens. Because uh, this is where it, rev- it introduces the idea of the guy, which is like the player who's going to win the unwinnable level. Which, by the way, why would you play a game that you could, is unwinnable? It seems like every kid knows, like, oh, yeah, level five is unwinnable. You can't beat the game. Nobody can beat the game. Why is this the biggest game in the world? Why is every kid clamoring to play this game that nobody can beat? Like many things, it's nonsensical. <laughs> that's, that's pretty nonsensical. But no, but the guy is the one kid who can actually beat the game. And so they think they, they race in like an F-Zero-esque kind of a sequence where they all get a little hover car or something. Or a unicycle in it's, one case. Yeah, it's all. It, you're not running over people, but it's almost death race in kind of a way. You know, you you can destroy the other cars and knock people out of the race. Sure, or or trick them into pushing a button that destroys your own car. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> push the button that says "Do not push." I, I do not have much material on this. Don't. All right, take we'll mine. save it. No, I, I have a question about that. Also, I so have I a lot to say about. Well, you know. All right, but anyway, he proves himself to these these beta testers, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you're the guy. You won the race. Good job." And then uh, they go through level three where the programmers menace them. There's that little moment. Dumb. Oh, no, the programmers. And then they're, they're nerds. How, yeah, how are they, the programmers? I thought the toy maker is who built well, this. They work for the toy maker, they say. Oh, okay. I, there's plenty of questions about the logistics of how do you release a video game entirely from a virtual imprisonment. <laughs> I, I don't know. But, I mean, I guess he has people who work outside of the game. You know, they're, they're logging in from somewhere. And apparently he found a way, despite being in a virtual prison, he's able to pay these people as well. I guess so. Well, we'll ask these questions later. Okay. But um, so there's that sequence. And then they go to level four, which is where uh, Carmen is. The, the toy maker releases her because secretly he wants them to beat the game. So he releases her to help them. And there's the lo- lava surfing sequence. I'm glad you missed their, an entire character in this discussion as well. Well, there's the girl. There's like... Yes. Uh, the, what's who, her name? I don't even know her name. Who's a mole for... Who's a virtual mole yeah. for the toy maker. She's a, she's a fake, but like Junie falls for her and... Yeah. Uh, yeah, he fights her in the, the moon uh, battle arena, but then she reappears. Oh, we also skipped the... the the duel between it's like choose your best player, choose your strongest player. Now you will fight to the death, and only and whoever loses cannot go on. Yeah, and the girl sacrifices herself, but then comes back later and it's like I found a glitch or something, something. I don't know. They go through the <laughs> lava. They go through the lava, but which it's not lava. Out, yeah, it turns out to be totally safe, and that's where the entrance to level five was hidden. 
and that was why it's unwinnable or something because no one would think to jump into the lava. Uh, and this is where Elijah Wood appears because it's like, how do we get into level five? No one knows. And then Elijah Wood shows up. Says, I'm actually the guy. I have 99 lives. <laughs> right. And then he loses them all immediately. It's a, you know what? I enjoyed that. As a dumb cameo, this movie is full of dumb cameos. There's a million cameos. It definitely has those. This one stands out. He's not part of the cameo parade at the end. He gets his own little moment. And, you know, I actually, I happen to know that Elijah Wood is a big uh, fan, a big video game player. And, like, he's involved. He's, he's done voices for games. And he's, he genuinely knows a lot about video games. So I'm sure that's why he wanted to be in this movie. Just like, oh, it'll be a fun moment. I'll just show up. He, he, did just, hi- he did just show up. Well, he was at the height of his fame. This was right around Lord of the Rings, so... Um, not that he's not famous anymore, but like, what has he done recently? Not much. Nothing like Lord he's of the Rings, that's his, for sure. his royalties from Lord of the Rings, I think. Anyway, yeah, he gets immediately killed. He does open the door to level five, so he did kind of need him. Because like, how do we get in here? And he just obliterates the door. I'm the guy. I'm going to blow up the door and then immediately be killed. I'm the guy. And then they enter level five, and it's just... The final challenge is to reveal or to like not be tempted by this fake girl who is trying to seduce Junie. Yeah. And they're like, nope, you're fake. And Stallone's like, oh, good job, you won. And then Ricardo Montalban releases Stallone from his imprisonment because the the fear is that Ricardo Montalban wants revenge. But no, he released Stallone so that he could he could tell them he, he forgives him for hospitalizing Why him or putting ta- him in a wheelchair. Why couldn't he tell him there? He very easily could have. Thank you. But then... You wouldn't have the parade of cameos. No, and you wouldn't have giant invisible monkey robots. <laughs> that would be a big loss. Who would it be a loss for? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's silly. Well, please tell me that you agree with me. It was one of the dumbest endings to a movie you've ever seen. Well, th- this is where I was thinking about Avengers Endgame, because I was watching this going like, this must be what it feels like to watch Avengers Endgame having seen none of the other Marvel movies. <laughs> It's just this parade of characters from previous movies. Be like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Steve Buscemi's here. Uh, uh, in some ways, you're right. That is a fair comparison. You've got Steve Buscemi, Alan Cumming, Tony Shalhoub with four heads. Tony Shalhoub. You've got Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Uh, Gary and Gertie Giggles. Who we don't, who knows who they yeah, are? Yeah, I don't know who they are. Uh, you've got Antonio Banderas. You've got Carl Gugino. You've yes. got Grandma. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about Grandma. All, you're right, just a parade of people, and they all may or may not have been in the first two movies. And I have no... I'm sure they most of them were, but I'm... And Danny Trejo, of Danny course. Trejo and Cheech Marin. Let's not forget Cheech Marin. But he doesn't actually... He just says, I'm the uncle. He doesn't show up at the fight at the end. I think he's there. You see him climbing up the robot leg. Oh, I missed it. But he doesn't do anything. None of them really do anything. Antonio Banderas does kind of fly around and kick a robot in the face a couple of times. And there's a couple of bolts that come in 3D yeah, at you. 3D bolts falling down. Um, yeah, I didn't get the full effect of the 3D, but I can imagine. It was not good. Also, that's where it's revealed that Ricardo Montalban in the real world has a jet wheelchair. He can just fly around. Like, is this really that much of a handicap? It's like, you have a a flying... I mean, in this world, I'm sure he can get by just fine. He's got a flying wheelchair. I'm not not trying to be insensitive. I mean, in this universe... All I can think of right now is, Hello, son, would you like to try this flying motorcycle I just invented? (laughs) I mean, a flying wheelchair. He doesn't... He he just goes... He he jets up to (laughs) the giant robot. This is awful. How did you find this entertaining? None of this is good to me. It's awful, but I was... Moment to moment, I was entertained. All right. It's intentionally silly. It knows what it is. It's not... It's not trying to be anything but 
completely silly nonsense. I mean, it is it is knowing it knows how nonsensical it is. All right, all right. Well, you you've covered the plot in way more detail I, than I would have because there's just not much here. It's mostly a movie to show off some 3D effects, sure, and get people into theaters and accomplish both of those things. <laughs> well, any movie is a movie to get people in theaters. I mean, <laughs> no. I, I doesn't, this doesn't feel that, like that's does not, not feel I, like a cash grab. I'm going to no. It's a it, this is a cash grab. Come on, I don't think so. This is nothing more than a cash grab. I'm going to disagree with you that no. Some movies I think legitimately are made to tell a story, and if people show up and enjoy it and want to watch it, fine. But there's plenty of art movies that they do not fully expect a ton of people to go see those movies. So I'm going to disagree with you that all movies are designed to get people in the theaters. This was a cash grab. But even uh, the artsiest movie in the world wants. They, they would prefer to, to see, see it. it, yes, but this this was a cash grab. Sorry, this I was mean, a cash grab. <laughs> it's more to the it's it's more to the commercial side than a, a Fellini film or something or Ingmar Bergman. But it's it's not it's not it didn't feel like it had no like it was a bunch of three D effects with known characters. That's all it was, and a parade of cameos. Tell me how that's not a cash grab? No, because it, there are a lot of they didn't need to to wrangle all of these uh, you know actors to do these cameos they didn't need to get george clooney you don't you don't put george clooney in your movie and if you're doing a cash grab unnecessarily he didn't need to be in the movie there was no reason for george clooney to be in the movie he's in it because it's fun to have george clooney in the movie i think the the robert rodriguez cared about the a i think he knew what kind of movie he was making and b i think he was trying to make it as fun entertaining for kids as possible all right this is this this movie is not meritless it's not like the, you know, there's plenty of cash grab movies. We watched Ratchet and Clank. That's a cash grab. This is this ha- this is way more. You know, I think the makers of this movie had way more, way better intentions than the makers of Ratchet and Clank. Who, that's purely to make a buck. That movie was conceived and written in a boardroom. This is you know Robert Rodriguez having fun, and on that level, I enjoyed it. I took it on that level. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna put this right with Ratchet and Clank. There's no way they're even in the same conversation. All right. Let's because, I mean, the fact that you think this is as much of a cash grab as that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, we're, we'll agree to disagree. Hey, All right. Do me a favor. <laughs> okay. What's the halfway on this? I have no idea. <laughs> I'll meet you there, though. Should we move on to technology? Yeah, technology. All right. It's already up in the cloud. What cloud? What cloud? All right, this is the section where we discuss how changes or advancements, really, in technology could have changed key elements to the plot or the movie in general. Yeah. So I'm going to open up, and I'm just going to say today, uh, would the toy maker and his game be replaced, I think, by virtual reality just controlled by Facebook? I mean, in, in Oculus Rift is what I think. I, I, I'm not sure it would be this, this toy maker, right? There's plenty of alternatives to the Oculus Rift. In the VR space, they are definitely like the leader as far as... It's the only one I know. That doesn't mean it's good or it has a lot of following. It's just the only name I know. There's there's others. There's the Vive and there's... Uh, Sony has one that for the PlayStation that I think oh. is doing pretty well. Okay. I mean, actually, like, VR is a place where, like, there's a lot of, like, weird, like, indie things or, like, one person making a weird thing. Like, oh, it's a VR... Like, what was it? Uh, soda Simulator, like... Soda Drinker Pro or something like that. It's just a dumb game of VR where you walk around and you drink up, pick up sodas and you drink soda. Like <laughs> VR is full of weird, like esoteric stuff like that. So I actually, in the current space, in the modern space, I totally believe that a weirdo who lives in virtual reality would release 
some like Barelia game VR experience and that people would go crazy for it. You think it would be the soda one? Uh, I mean, it seems like there's more gameplay in Soda Drinker than there is in, in Game Over. Because for this segment, uh, or did you have more about the, the VR? No, that's all I had on the VR well, side. I wanted to break down in this segment, what is the game? How does the game work? If, I, if, I don't, if I'm not a spy, I'm not a spy kid, I just bought this game and I'm playing it. You're a beta tester. No, I'm so, let's just imagine that they failed. I'm, I'm one of these people who's going to be mind-controlled, right? right. They, they didn't shut down the game. It was I released th- to the public. All right, I think you just wander around and things randomly happen to you. I tried to document what are the levels, what, are the, what is your goal, and like, wh- when is it your goal? Because like, there's level one. There's toads on pogo sticks. You've got to pick up coins off the streets, apparently. Uh, as the coins never come back. Coins <laughs> never come back. Presumably you can buy things with them, power-ups or something. Who knows? Uh, you can fall into a sewer where, where you get like a little tutorial about your health. And then you come out of the sewer into a field of walking bullseyes, which l- can launch you to the moon, which I guess you don't want to do. So why is there even a moon thing if it's like a bad thing? But then he gets a power armor there, so maybe, that's like, maybe you do want to do that. In the robot fight, I just documented this. Getting thrown 100 feet in the air and landing on your head, you lose one HP or one uh, life. You're, already, you're going through all my stuff. <laughs> we can see The it. rules on lives are Total nonsense. She gets dizzy and gets gently knocked over. She loses four lives. He gets thrown 100 feet in the air and only loses one it's life. It's total nonsense. It's beyond arbitrary. Okay. Well, I'm try- I, I, just, I was trying to break down what the game is. So, like, how do you move on to level two if you're just playing the game? Because he just kind of, like, ends up in level two by accident. He, like, gets shot back from the moon back to the game, back to, like, the main planet of the game, whatever. Like, I don't even know. Is there, like, a whole planet simulated? Like, I, I have no, no I th- idea. I thought level two was that the robot war. No, I think, because he says, I'm trying to get to level four, and like, you can't get to there from here. But, you, but he does. He does get there from there, eventually. Uh, I know, I think level two is the race. I think the No, I think that's level race. three. No, because level three is the duel on the floating platforms between uh, Junie and Arnold. By the way, I did find it funny that he's named Arnold. He's the strong kid. He's like, ah, I can lift anything, and his name is Arnold. Oh, oh, I missed that. That's cute. Yeah. No, I think that's level three. Yeah, maybe you're right. And then level four is the lava surfing. So then it begs the question, are there other detours that you can take, like the moon? Meaning, sure. Is that the way to level two? Because the kids act like they tricked him into going to the moon, and they're surprised when he makes it back from the moon. So, yeah, how do you get to level two? Okay, I, we don't know. maybe we shouldn't break down. There's no I'm, way, because you just, honestly, it seems like you randomly walk to places. What it feels like is it feels like completely open. It's like Westworld. You can just wander around and get on kind of your own, like, narrative is what it seems. But if that's true, the world is so empty. Like, it, I could see how oh, it would be. It's not like, a good game. <laughs> if it was like a it's much, not a good movie. If it was like a massively multiplayer, like a World of Warcraft yeah. or, or, you know, EverQuest or whatever the whatever is popular now. But yeah, if it was like that, where it's like, oh, there's a whole virtual world to explore and you know things to fight and you know adventures to go on, then sure, I can see that. But like, what, there's a weird city with pogo toads and coins. There's a field full of targets. There's the moon with a, uh, a re- battle arena. But the moon is not actually a level. But no, it seems like a, a it's punishment. Like puni- yes. Yeah. So that begs the question: Are there other punishments? Yeah, maybe that sewer also. But yeah, who knows? And then level three is in the sky. And then there, like, you have to be in a group, and then two of your group have to fight each other. Yeah, so, so what happens are... if you're a solo? Sure. You don't like playing in a group. Exactly. Can you even get past that if you're solo? And no. then also, it seems totally unfair that, like, 
Two people have to fight. The loser can't continue on. But the people who didn't participate can continue on. It's like they didn't do anything. They were just standing there watching. So how is this? Yeah, the, the rules of this game are not. They're, it's, it is, it are is, you finally coming around to my perspective on this? Well, it's a, it's a bad game. There's no doubt about it. The idea that this would be incredibly popular. Why would, like, anybody, pay, right, why would anybody pay to play this game? No. If it was free, I wouldn't play it. No, that's the thing. Is Wouldn't they get some sort of feedback from the beta testers? This game is terrible. Don't buy this. Yeah, maybe I think you know. Usually, I think it's they're really just looking for bugs. Well, not, all right. Here's the thing: is it would be difficult, even though AOL Time Warner was in existence back then. Here's my other technology. This was just painful. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now: kids today are not exchanging email addresses <laughs> <That's true. laughs> as their primary form of contact. You want to talk about quaint and cute? Yeah. that was maybe the most cute thing in this movie. That is very quaint. I uh, I met someone who was. She doesn't work there anymore, but at a previous job who was in her early 20s at the time who had never used email before going to work. Like, that really? was her first experience of using email was for work. Wow. Yeah. That, that was shocking to me, too. That's No, that's, like, earth-shattering to me because I, I can understand if you don't use it as your primary, maybe. I can understand that, but, right. I mean, just getting marketing – I mean – I don't know. I mean, you think you'd need it for college, at the very least. But yes. Maybe she was uh, pulling my leg. I have no idea. But anyway. It was right. a couple of years ago, too. I think it was probably three years ago. It well, it, it was very cute to me that they're exchanging email addresses. Yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be like a funny thing. No, I don't think so. I think it was supposed... That was cutting edge, I think, back then. No. Yes. Email addresses weren't cutting edge in 2003. It was, it, that was, that those absolutely would have been, that would absolutely would have been like cutting edge of kids exchanging how to be able to communicate electronically. Absolutely it would have been. I mean, it was the most cutting edge thing at the time. That's what I'm saying. But it was the, it's still like, it was, yeah, it was just like, if you're, if you're a teenager or whatever and it you want to, you want a girl to be able to contact you, yeah, you would give, it would be email addresses. Right. Like that, that would have been the Instagram of the time. So it's sure. absolutely cutting edge at the time. Today it would have been, in, I guess, be Instagram. By cutting edge, you mean the most advanced form of communication, then yeah. But I mean, yeah. email had been around for a while. It had been around, but that, this yeah. would have been what the young kids would have used to it be able to communicate with A couple with of years before kids would have cell phones and yeah. be texting each other, even. Exactly. You have anything else on the technology front? No, not really. I mean, we kind of already touched on VR and how you know it, it yeah. has become at the time in 2003. Like I said, nobody had VR in their homes. Now it's actually becoming a thing. But although it's kind of stalling, and it, it, it feels like it has. It yeah. seemed like it was a thing about three, four years ago, was, yeah. and just has disappeared out of the lexicon. Well, actually, I think it, in large part it's because the content isn't there. It's like, hey, VR like, actually has gotten really a lot better and really... I like, can go drink a soda. <laughs> exactly. Soda drinker is the thing that, like, that, that I've heard about as like the VR experience. I mean, there have been other things. Uh, there's a Twin Peaks VR thing coming out soon that I really want to check out what that is. So I don't own a VR headset, but, um, you know, and there's like Star Wars things. And there's a lot... Like, VR is now like... It's almost used entirely for marketing. It's like there's a new Star Wars movie coming out. Put out a VR thing, so that, and we'll use that to, for cross promotion. Like, what is the the VR experience that you know? Like, it's like oh, organic. Like, it. you actually there's a game to play, right? right. Like, what what's the hot VR? I'm, maybe there's not. No, I, not, I I follow games to a degree. Well, here's the technology I would like explained from this. Okay. How a girl can fly with pigtails. That's the technology that we really need. I'm not sure that's technology. That just seems like magic. There's a flying pig in this movie also, so <laughs> I have Steve no Buscemi idea. Steve Buscemi wants that Steve flying Buscemi pig. Steve fly, Buscemi flies on the back of a flying pig. 
So, yeah, I don't know. All right. You ready for the little details? Sure. I mean, I have a question about the pigtails, but I'm going to save it for questions. All right. Let's move on a little detail. That cardboard headstone tipped over. This graveyard is obviously phony. Uh, the little details, a segment where we discuss minutia uh, of the film that we found entertaining or interesting. Sure. So <laughs> you want to lead us off? I, I, I'm going to. I just wrote down some moments that I found, you know, funny or just cute or whatever. I did enjoy President George Clooney calls Junie. He's like, "We, you need to be a big boy and reinstate." And I just liked his line where he goes, "With all due respect, sir, no." <laughs> That's not disrespectful at all. <laughs> it's like Ricky Bobby. If you add with all due respect, you can say anything to somebody. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It just, uh, you expect him to be like, really like lay into him. It's like, with all due respect. No. No. Um, okay, we already talked about, we can no longer be of, of assistance. And he says, what assistance? We already mentioned that. Oh, I like the moment where uh, Arnold and Junior are supposed to fight each other uh, in level three. And Junior's like, I'm not fighting Arnold. Then cut to Arnold and he's like, I don't want to crush Junie. <laughs> it's like the disparity between their perspectives. He is, he, I'm what it, Ar- the, yeah. Ar- Arnold is presuming that he's going to destroy, he's going to crush Junie. It was a fair assumption. Yeah, apparently so. Ricardo Montalban, I mean, there are a couple of moments that I just find funny. Him being in this virtual world with his virtual body is just inherently funny. Uh, that's more of a visual thing. But my favorite line of his in this whole movie... <laughs> I wonder if you can guess. No, I don't remember his lines. Uh, they're all kind of out there. They're surfing down the lava, and and Junie's kind of struggling. He's like, Ugh. I mean, first of all, we never oh, mentioned. Oh, wait a minute! I've got it in my notes. Can I do it? <laughs> Go ahead. Rip that wave, Junie. It's the best. Rip that wave, Junie. Hearing Ricardo Montalban. This was his final on-screen appearance. Ricardo Montalban. He did some voiceover stuff after this, but this is his final final time he appeared on screen, and he's on there going with a CGI body, going rip that wave, Junie. I have to admit, I wish we had a place that it would make sense to be able to put on the soundboard because <laughs> sure. it is pretty funny. Because his delivery is what really makes it rip that wave, Junie. Yeah. I mean, with his accent, I like the way he he always the way he he puts the emphasis on maker and toy maker. We must defeat the toy maker, <laughs> you know, right. with, his, with his accent. Um, but yeah, that that made me laugh a lot. Just rip that wave, Junior. All right, I got one that made me laugh. Um, we're just a couple more, a couple more lines, and then uh, sorry. All right, or, go do, ahead. Do you have, do you have, is it dialogue? No, it's we not dialogue. Okay. Oh, the last one is Mike Judge at the end, where Sylvester Stallone he he turns over a new leaf and then cuts to Mike Judge going, "Wait a minute." So who won? <laughs> I thought that was funny. Anyway, go ahead. All right. So the one that I had, there's a news report about the game coming out that Junie sees on on TV before he gets in line with his his money. Yes. What's, Stallone is playing the reporter yep. and is just hamming it up. Oh yeah. I think it's supposed to be the toy maker in disguise. He's got a fake mustache. He keeps trying to see. He's that's what off. I thought. But I have that in my questions. How can it be the toy maker? How is he on a news report? Is it a news report or is it just like a screen in a toy shop or in a like video game no, shop I think promoting it, the No, thing? I because there's there's an actual news reporter that says, "Oh, you know, now you know, let's cut to whoever talking about the biggest release in video game oh, history or something I don't like that. that." I think it's supposed to be an actual video or an actual news report. I mean, we're not in questions, but I can play devil's advocate if you'd like. Please do. I think he hacked the news report to oh, insert course. himself because he's he's a great hacker. He's he's the greatest programmer in the world. He created three facsimiles of himself and made the greatest game ever made. He's able to right, he's able to right, he's able me. to program giant invisible gorilla robots. That's the best programmer in the world. He's able to program reality. Rip that wave, Junie. <laughs> that's gonna be my answer to everything. Um, okay, that's fine. 
That works for me. Oh, here's another line of dialogue that I appreciated. Just I see this this line of dialogue. I think keyed me into what kind of a movie this is and why I was able to enjoy it. Where Mike Judge and Salma Hayek are briefing Junie, and they go, "The toy maker hates us for imprisoning him in cyberspace all these all those years ago. What made you do that? Who knows? It was years ago." <laughs> they just drop it. They just never really address it. No, again. that's just bad writing because they don't want to come up with a backstory of why no, they that, imprisoned that's him. sending the message that like nothing matters <laughs> so yes because it's not a good script it's it's not trying to be a good story it's not trying to okay here, tell oh, a here's, story. A pr- here's a prime example of my next one we get this entire lead up we get from arnold why he's in the game because his family doesn't have any money and he wants to get the untold riches that are promised by the toy maker yes yeah we never mentioned that the winner gets untold riches yeah okay and then supposedly we, we get no backstory on anybody else and how so he's a beta tester and he applied for this what about all the other ones no backstory. It didn't matter. And the only reason you got that is because there was going to be a fight between him and Judy like 10 seconds later. Sure, to make him sympathetic because you yes. don't want him to, yeah. I mean, it's that, terrible. That, I mean, that's, that's you're judging this movie on, on a level that it, it ju- does not hold it up to this kind of scrutiny. There's no question about it. I'm but. judging it on a level that it should have some sort of a semblance of a sensical script. I don't think that's an unfair standard. I, this, is, this is like, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of what what would be an equivalent? It's essentially like an airplane movie or something. It's like the, no, you know, that's intent. No, I mean it's not. It's not a spoof of an existing movie like those are. Like the airplane or Hot Shots are. It's like those are obviously a spoof of you know the airport movies or uh, you know of, disaster movies. Yeah, or, or Top Gun uh, in the case of Hot Shots. So like, but but you know, a movie like that, you're not judging it based on its story. I mean, those movies do have a good story, but only because they're copying the, the, some other movie's story. Okay, that's, you know? but that's not what this movie is. No, it's not a spoof, but I'm saying you wouldn't judge that kind of a comedy on its story. And I don't think this movie is... is it's, it's presenting a story that is on its face nonsensical. It's, 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 it's acknowledging that it doesn't make any sense. No, I don't think what, it is. What made you imprison the toy maker? Who knows? It was years ago. Like That's an acknowledgement that this... Story doesn't matter and shouldn't that be held up, up to any okay, scrutiny? Okay, well, then it's just a series of 3D sequences, and it's like, why make this other than a cash grab? I, I think you're being too hard in this movie, but... Um, All right. All right, what, uh, what else do you have? I've got a couple more on the little details. So I paused and I took a look at the game box. The, I have the, the oh. game over game box... So you want me to read uh, all the text on the game it's box? It's pretty quaint that this is back in the day when there were game boxes. We talked about this actually on the Saturday Night Live episode of all things. Yeah. I mean, that shift has happened pretty recently, actually. I, I, just coincidentally, I was listening to a video game podcast, and they were talking about how, you know, you, you would think, you know, for the last five years, most video game sales would be downloads. But actually, up until a year or two ago, still mostly physical. And then within the last year or two, it's all flipped. Wow. We're like, cause, oh, because uh, games... GameStop. GameStop, yeah. I always get it mixed up because GameSpot is a website. GameStop is like they laid off a bunch of people and like they're within the last year they've like totally just tanked and the, the yeah, stock they closed price. a ton of stores and yeah, um, yeah, and it's that, they're saying that's why is because especially in the last year. So I mean, but you're right. I mean, selling game boxes. Uh, I mean, it still happens, but yeah, I think most people would just download, especially a VR game. 
For a VR game, you would need to physically buy the headset, so at least that's something you would need to buy in store. But you never see them selling headsets. You never see them selling the VR gear. It's just the box. Anyway, I have the box. All right, what do you got on the box? Um, okay, so game over. The ult- ultimate virtual experience for the V-Box with two X's. <laughs> that's their spoof of the Xbox, I guess, the V-Box. Uh, rated A for all rated, which is not a real ESRB rating. The real ratings are E for everyone, T for teen, M for mature, and AO for adults only. There's no A. So the only a- rating with an A is adult only. So actually, <laughs> that would be a very different movie. Yeah, that's how he's actually warping children's minds. It's probably, yes, exactly. Uh, we didn't see the secret parts of uh, the game. Uh, anyway, the back of the box was tough to make out, but I think I got it all. So it says, fun for the whole family. Five levels of skill to test any gamer. All networking. All connect. I don't know. I mean, I guess it just means you play it over the internet. Yeah, apparently uh, so. Challenge players from all over the globe, only on Virtual Box. And it says, complete level five and receive toys and riches beyond your wildest dreams. Untold riches. <laughs> They're making this promise on the back of the box. Like, that seems like, uh, I mean, it's one thing for like it to be insinuated like, oh, yeah, I heard through the grapevine. It's in print. It's in print. It's like legally, basically it's a legally binding, binding contract. That's right. Uh, so the toy maker will grant your every desire. Speaking of uh, <laughs> AO rating, you know who knows what, what that could mean. Uh, <laughs> there could be a very wide interpretation yeah, of that absolutely. toy maker. And it says log in, tune out, and play the best only on V Bucks. I'm impressed that they put that much time into the, to that. Sure, because only people like you would actually be paying attention to that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it actually for the most part made sense. I mean, considering that like the number of physical props in this movie is like almost nothing. Yeah. Everything is virtual even when they're waving around like I've got this, you know, power up and they're holding it in their hand and like you can tell that some computer animator had to like track it to the kid's hand and it's not quite matching and it's sliding around all over the place like yeah, most of the props are are just CGI stuff. Right. Anyway, uh, so the next thing I have is that, so the top build in the movie, what, I won't pose it as a question, I'll just make it a statement. Or in little is, detail, so. It is a one hour and 22 minute movie, and it takes until one hour and seven minutes sure. into the movie for Antonio Banderas to show up. Yeah, I mean, he's the biggest, well, other than George Clooney and Sylvester Stallone, he's probably the biggest star of the movie, but. Uh, so with that, then, I'm going to lead to maybe my last little detail. I did appreciate that Junie takes a page that I had from Gary Oldman in the movie The Professional. Because he says, bring me everyone, which immediately makes me think of Gary Oldman. I, I don't remember the that. character's name. Yeah, yeah. And then you do. It is li- that is the beginning of the parade. Tony Shalhoub, Danny Trejo, Steve Buscemi. Doctor Alan Strange. Strange. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And then did, so I had to look this up because I didn't realize it. I saw it when I was doing some of my notes. I didn't realize that Bill Paxton has a reference to the franchise that you would know yes, and love. That was the, that, I didn't catch it until my second time through. I was like, oh, wait, that's an Aliens reference. I didn't even really notice it. So were it. you okay with a great movie being referenced in a not-so-great movie? Yeah, I, I enjoyed that reference. I thought it was a clever re- I mean, this movie is called Game Over, and Bill Paxton is in the movie. Of course, the, you know it makes total sense that they would make a joke out of it. Yeah. The joke was subtle enough that I missed it the first time, which is I was ashamed of. Yeah, and I, I don't know that, that franchise well enough, so I only saw it when I was reading to do my notes. Yeah, so. it's. I mean, it's. I mean, he says game over, but a million people say game over. It's both the name of the game and a thing that can happen in the game. You get a game <laughs> over, <laughs> and Stallone, you're out. Stallone is constantly threatening them with game over. He's kind of that's his only threat. 
You do this, it'll be game over. But that's only if your lives go to zero and not point five, which seems to happen to key people in the movie. Yeah, that's true. But Elijah Wood, it doesn't save him. He goes from 99 down to one, down to point five, it's all down to zero. But it's a gag. It's just done for a gag. And, but you're right. Junie does get saved. He, he has, he's down to one life, and then he gets hit. It's like, oh, he's actually dead. Nope, point five. The movie is just but cheating. But the actual guy went from 99 to zero instantaneously. Yeah, well, it was level five, which was unwinnable, which is why he was fried. You know, the rest of them just run in after him with no fear. <laughs> That's what's for them. great. He's electrocuted. Like, they stand in the exact spot which electrocuted Elijah Wood, and they don't seem to care or are not even worried about this. The oh, guy no, who just, just went in. from 99 to zero. Whoa, yeah. it, can't, it couldn't happen twice. Yeah. Speaking of uh, the life on their chest, it's, it was a pet peeve of mine watching this. <laughs> sure. Because every time they lose, a, they, they take a hit. It reduces their number. Um, but the fact that they look down every single time, it annoyed me because it's like Junie and Arnold were in that fight, and then Arnold will hit Junie, and he goes from like three to two, and then Junie will look down and go, ah, ah. It's like, oh. hey, you're still in this fight. Don't worry about it later. But here's the reason why is because the numbering system is so nonsensical. He needs to check. Well, wait a minute. How many did that hit? Did I lose? Seven lives? I guess that's a good did point. Did I lose one? Did I lose a half? That what did is, I just lose? That is a very good point. And it's, 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 not, it's not a convenient place to display your health for the person playing. It's no, only it convenient should, for us, the viewers of the film. Right. It should be like on the wrist or something yeah. that projects up. <laughs> the, the worst place to be, for it to be, <laughs> you have to look down on your chest to see what your health. I mean, it does pop out to guess, be out in front of you. But they still look down, so it, you know it just annoyed me every time they look down. Fair enough. Uh, you have anything else? No, that, that the cavalcade of cameos really was the whole movie to me. I enjoyed the absurdity of it uh, the whole time. I'm going like, what is happening? But most of this movie, I was going, what is happening? But I was I was doing it with a smile on my face, as fr- as, basically as they, from the as moment they fight robots that nobody can see. Well, they can see them with the glasses on. If you put 3D glasses on them. <laughs> you know, they have to be like, every time someone had appeared, Antonio Banderas, here, take the glasses. And they throw them, and then there's a, whoosh, whoosh, and it flams in his eyes. And he goes, oh, and there, there's the giant robot, and they fight the robot. <laughs> it's obviously absurd. Like it's, it, it is taking itself so not seriously that it, it, I can't, I, I, I agree that this is not a good story. But that's not what this movie is going for. No, I guess not. not. It's not going for story. Not sure what it's going for. But you know what? We can ask each other right now on The Devil's Advocate of what this movie is going for and some questions that we have that need answering. All right, let's do it. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Uh, So this is the question where we do. We've uh, got notes and questions that we pose to one another and do our best to answer those if the movie didn't answer them. Yeah, I, there's a lot of questions to be asked. So All right, not, start firing away. I mean, it sounds like you're not taking this movie serious enough to even no, I dig have, into it. I have some. Some of them I've already asked, though, but let's fire away. All what right, have you I'll, got? I'll go in order just story-wise, because right. the first scene is Junie as this detective, and uh, he meets, uh, uh, what's her name? What's the actress's name already? Selena Gomez. Selena, Selena Gomez, who I didn't recognize. But their exchange... It was so stilted that I enjoyed it. Or he, he just goes, I know why the water from your park is missing. And she goes, pray tell. It's winter. They close down the park in the winter. Who's they? The people who really own this park. And then that's it. And the money is exchanged. Yep. So is that, that was his case? That's my question. Is, his, he, is the case of the missing water from the water park? That's how nonsensical this script is. <laughs> you already answered your question. His case was... Selena Gomez's character, it's, I think, supposed to be a funny joke. 
Yeah, she's, maybe to a ten-year-old. She's dressed in like a fur coat or something. She's dressed as like this. she hired him to find out why there wasn't water in the water park. That's what she paid him four dollars and ninety-nine okay. cents for. They're, they're kids. This is a thing that she wanted to find out. I guess. I just I wasn't entirely sure if I missed something. Oh, no, so. you yeah, I, didn't, I didn't think missed so. nothing, okay. my friend. Right, we'll you go got it all. All right, go ahead. Uh, unfortunately, I'm looking my fir- my first three questions. I think we've already asked, but it, is, uh, so I had: Is there any point to the coins that are being rounded up when Junie lands in the game? I as- I assume you can buy. Like, there's probably a shop somewhere where you can buy power ups. We just never saw it. All right, and then, but I have. And where did he get those bonus packs that he tries to use as bribes to others in the game? That is never established at all. I wondered that too. I don't know. I, maybe he came into the game with those, like the OSS provided him. They they paid the extra money. The uh, you know the they uh, went offline and used Bitcoin to to buy up some power ups. <laughs> you don't need Bitcoin to buy. You know they, they got the uh, the starter pack. They got the the it was a uh, what do you call it? Uh, it was DLC. It was downloadable content. You pay you pay an extra couple bucks. All right. Sports games do this all the time in a way that drives me crazy because I used to play all the NBA games and I stopped playing them because you can't. It's like you can't level up your guy without paying extra money to buy virtual currency to spend on your guy. And so you, Is it like itching scratchy money? It's like regular money, but it's fun? It's not fun, though, because then you, <laughs> you play online, and whoever spent the most money has the best player and wins So the rich time. kids are... So really, it's actually teaching you about life. Those that are born into wealth are probably going to stay on top. I guess so. It's supposed to be a sport where, where you know, the, you mean the, 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 the rich- best player wins, but no. You mean the rich owners that have the most resources to buy the best players are the ones that win? No, I don't think that's a good analogy because it would be like if the basketball players themselves could buy like, whoever could spend the most on their hover shoes. You, you know mean, what I mean? You mean like players being able to collude with one another to determine they're all going to go to one of two teams to all the best players play on those one or two teams? All right, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that's that not, analogy yeah. kind of works, doesn't that, it? That part of it does work. <laughs> That only really happens in one sport, but the sport that you wanted to play the yeah, virtual was, game of, that's exactly how it works. Hey, guys, let's all meet up on this team. Whatever. Let's move on. All right. Next next question. What do you got? Uh, no, it's your turn because I, it? I went with my coins and you answered it. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. This is a sentence that would seem strange in any other context. Oh, God. <laughs> Here's my question. Was George Clooney always Sylvester Stallone the whole time? <laughs> That's such a great question. And you're right. In any other context, no. No. Oh, no? Somehow, no, he was not always posing as him. Somehow, he just faked him for that last bit. Okay, because it could could go either way, because ultimately, the toy maker wanted to lure... Junie in, so Junie would bring Grandpa in, so that Grandpa would free him. So I thought maybe he was disguised as George Clooney from the beginning... That's, no, but the reason he's going in, in is because his sister is in. Sure. So he already I, has a reason to get Junie in. Right. Either explanation is plausible. Yeah. No. I, so I wasn't sure. <laughs> I like that actual question, though. Just the, the phrasing of it is outstanding. Well, George Clooney doesn't show up at the end to help. They supposedly brought in everyone, but it wasn't everyone. I guess he's the president. He's got more He's got other things. stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we've already discussed this a little bit, but maybe you can help me really walk it through. I said, are there any rules to how lives are taken away? If so, please explain because it seems arbitrary. And here are my examples. Sometimes you lose multiple lives after minimal damage. The programmers just have to poke you in the chest a couple of times and you you lose a life. So they don't even like beat you up or anything. They just poke you. Sure. And then I said, Elijah Wood gets zapped with lightning and loses 99 (laughs) 
<laughs> right. 99 so, and a half lives. Yeah, so we've established there are no rules. It's completely arbitrary. Well, I think it's just whatever the toy maker wants, however he wants it to work. Yeah, so it's totally arbitrary. Yeah, I think it, it is very arbitrary. Okay. Capricious and arbitrary. All right. Uh, yeah, it's a bad game. No doubt about it. Right, I, let, I wonder me, how much like, Robert, Robert Rodriguez knows about video games or cares. I don't think very much based on this. Like, even, you know, you think about movies that are about games... Like, it's been a long time since I watched Jumanji, and I've not seen the more recent Jumanjis. The more recent Jumanji is outstanding. Is the second one out yet? It's coming out. Uh, I know th- it was this, one... This holiday season, so either okay. after no, uh, Thanksgiving or, you know, somewhere between, I think, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Okay. I'd be curious to know if the games in the Jumanji movies make sense in terms of, like... Oh, I think the so. board game in the first movie or the video game in the, 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 the board remake. game itself. I don't remember because I don't remember. That. I'm not a huge Robin Williams fan, so I don't. I've only seen that movie maybe once or twice. the The video game, no. It I I think the rules were pretty sensical and made and okay. logical in and it was a it was a lot of that movie was a lot of fun. Yeah, I've heard it's good. I, I should see it. All right, so let me let me go to my next one because that last one was kind of one we had already answered. This one came up and I wanted to cut you off because I want really you to explain it to me. All right, I will try. Why is there a button on a single seat race car that ejects the driver and flips that car over? What possible point could there be to that button? I think I can explain. I think I have a, a for a reasonable, you know, a single seat car, ladies and gentlemen. Wait. He's going to explain why there's an ejector seat on a single I'm seat car. I'm playing devil's advocate, first of all, but in a racing game, like in you know, whether it's like a realistic game like Gran Turismo or like an F Zero kind of like futuristic thing. This is this race is very futuristic. They're in high tech, hovering like cars or it's whatever. Like Tron, sure. I mean, it, it, it's more Tron than it is Forza Horizon or something. Oh, definitely. Sure. But in a game like that, if you go off the track and get stuck or like end up facing the wrong way or something, there's usually a quick button to basically blow yourself up and reset back onto the course. So I imagine <laughs> this I, is a pretty good explanation ima- for something that is nonsensical. Yeah, because I imagine if you get stuck, you get crammed and wedged into something. It's like, well, I, I can't get out of this. Hit the button to self-destruct, and you'll respawn on the track. But Junior didn't have a chance to respawn because he slid for a thousand yards and then got picked up <laughs> by, Ricardo by virtual Ricardo Montalban. Juni, you're supposed to win the race, or whatever he says. I do love the fact that however the gravity or how physics work in the Toymaker's game, Juni does not... He's still moving at the same speed, effectively, he was <laughs> yeah. when he was there's on no, the car. There's no friction. So apparently he doesn't actually need the car. I mean, that's just... Again, Robert Rodriguez made this in his garage with his green screen. I mean, that's, that's just not thinking through the effects, really. I mean, that, All right, that's, so that, that's I have to give you a lot of credit on that one. That is a pretty good logical explanation <laughs> of something you. that is incredibly stupid. <laughs> A single seat car video should games, not. Video should, games are stupid a lot of the time. Should not have an ejector seat. And but it's not just the ejector; it also flips the car over. Right. Well, he does. Another, one of his opponents, the cool kid, actually crashes into it. So maybe that's the idea: is sacrifice yourself to take out your opponent. But then you're out of the game. You're I, out of the race. I'm not sure if you're out of the race because they're constantly getting new vehicles and like other vehicles are coming up behind. They'll jump on that. So you're not out until you're out, until you lose all your life, I think. I guess maybe you're right. Well, let me ask my follow-up question, because this is one of these examples. 
of the movie forgetting what happened a minute earlier <laughs> because yeah he's on that vehicle and he he gets tricked into pushing the button that blows up his vehicle the cool kid's like push the button that says do not push and he's like what oh it's a it's a turbo boost judy oh. got everything he deserved he's so credulous of everything like these kids are obviously trying to win the race <laughs> they're his competitors he's like what really you're gonna help me and with the turbo boost and he crashes the thing anyway he ends up in another vehicle with the help of uh, ricardo montalban and uh, so now he's in this vehicle, and the cool kid's trying to hit him with an extending uh, boxing glove. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the glove gets stuck in his in Junie's vehicle. Yes. And Junie knows the specific button to push to deploy a dedicated, like, extended scissors? button scissor, uh, scissors to, to cut this, uh, this extending boxing glove. So he's gone from Being not knowing easily- what the buttons mean... Yeah, yes, being to, easily tricked, not knowing that he is, but to, then thirty seconds later, he's an expert on these vehicles. Yeah. So uh, my question was, how does he know what that button that button will cut that specific boxing glove? I'm not going to have an answer for that because there is no answer. He's never been on that vehicle. He's never been on the game. He just in the scene before was tricked into pushing something that says "Do not push." Right now, he's able to defuse a bomb without any training whatsoever. Effectively, is what he's done. Yeah. So there is no oh, answer. Well, but then you're supposed to figure out an answer. Is it the segment? No, there is You just want to trash this movie. Yeah, because it's a bad script. That's ultimately what it is. This movie just lives in the moment. That's all. You're not supposed to remember all that right, he, well, didn't, he didn't know how to push a button a yeah, minute ago. Well, that's the real answer. I don't have a good devil's advocate on that one. You did a right. much better job than I ever expected on the ejector scene. I'll tell I try. You all right, here's a, here's a question for you, the gamer. They, there's a line that says, why do all games have to have lava in them? Right. How many games have lava in them? I think that was more true in 2003 than it is now, but uh, yeah, a lot of games have lava in it. Can, I, I'm not being trying to be a jerk and trash this. Can you name five games that had lava in them? I mean, the Mario Brothers games all have lava in them, so Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 2, Super Mario Brothers 3, Super Mario World. I don't know. Uh, I will say this. At this time, I was not playing a ton of games. In 2003, okay, that was a low point for me for games, and and I'm I'm coming out of a low point. I'm I'm starting to play more games now, All but right. I, I'm not. I'm not Are the there video lava game expert. in a bunch of the games you're playing now? Uh, there is lava in one of the games I'm playing now. I think I'm getting back into No Man's Sky. I think there's lava. So oh, I don't know it. Okay, actually, maybe not. There should be. There ought to be. Uh, you should be able to surf on it too. Well, you might be able to glitch it somehow. Rip that wave, Kevin. (laughs) Uh, I'm playing Battletech. That doesn't... I haven't seen any lava there yet. There probably is. I'll bet there is. There's like like steam vents in that game. No, that's not lava. It's it's geological heat. Geothermal (laughs) heat is not lava. Uh, Yeah, I can't think of any lava in any games I've played recently. So probably not that many. Oh, there's lava. There's lava in the latest Zelda game, and I'm, I'm... I played that relatively recently. All right. I think there's lava in the latest Mario game. Mario Galaxy. No, that's, a, that's a good guess. Mario but... Odyssey. All right. What's your next question? You, you answered it. Answer, no, you answered it. I was trying it. to find an example of lava. You answered it pretty well. Uh, okay. So Francesca Giggles, who flies into Junie's room on her pigtails. Yes. It, we see very clearly that this is a thing that's possible in this world. And then shortly afterwards, we meet Selma Hayek's character, who is that girl's mother, Who's also in pigtails? Selma Hayek is also in pigtails. Yes. So can Selma Hayek also fly on her pigtails? Is my question. <laughs> no. This might be an answer, a question that was answered in previous movies. I don't know. It could have been. I don't know, but I'm going to say no. Here's the reason why: she is not a spy kid. Only <laughs> spy kids can do that. But she's a spy adult. 
No. You think, is, you she's, think support, kids... she's support staff. She's not a spy. Uh, unclear, but fine. Okay. That, she's like an analyst. She's like Dr. Jack Ryan. She's just back in OSS headquarters. She's not actually out in the field. She's not a field operative. So she, okay. whatever the Fair mechanism enough. is that makes your pigtails rotate like helicopter blades, although I don't think they really work that way. <laughs> well, um, obviously. No, but I'm saying an actual <laughs> helicopter blade. I don't think the rotation that Francesca is getting, I don't think she would actually go anywhere. Oh, no, I think, I mean, opposite directions. Yeah, I, I, I think if you don't have a tail rotor, then it has to be in opposite directions. Otherwise, the helicopter would flip. If I understand how helicopters work. All right. Well, like a Chinook, I think, is like that, where there's two, there's two rotors that are parallel to the ground. There's no tail rotor that's but perpendicular. Hers, but hers aren't parallel. Yeah, they are. Well, they're kind of like they're t- that's tilted what I'm a little bit. I don't understand how that helicopter works. But as long as they're equal, as long as they're offsetting each other. Like if one was tilted and one was not, then she'd flip over. But they're they're equally tilted, you know, in opposite directions. We're spending way too much time. On I'm this. sure if you were to calculate the force, you know, I uh, wish one of us was better at physics to know whether or not no, it would I th- actually work. I think I think if you could generate enough lift with your pigtails, if that was a thing that could happen, I think the way that she was flying, I think a helicopter like going forwards or backwards, you just kind of tilt the blades forward or backwards. Okay, I think that's how it works. All know. right, can I ask a question about OSS? Feel free. I've got. I still have a million questions left. But uh, all right. Well, I'm getting through mine. Yeah, go, ahead, go ahead. All right. Does OSS know anything? Because they don't know that yes. lava. No, I don't think they do. They don't know that lava does not create a game over. They, they're completely oblivious to that. Well, but that was a hidden thing. That was a secret area. They don't know that the toy maker is connected to Grandpa. Oh, that's pretty bad. <laughs> you would think in there because they're the ones providing the. They're the, a spy agency. <laughs> Intelligence is their game. They don't even know their own. Grandpa is related to their spy kids, and they don't know this. OSS, worthless. That's what I have. My last bullet point, worthless. Yeah, I mean, they don't even know why the toy maker was imprisoned, and those two things are related. I think it's they're just not interested. They just don't care. It's like, we could look this up. They don't care care about somebody who can take the minds of the children and take over the world. Maybe they didn't have enough time to prepare. It's like, this is an emergency. We got to just send you in the field. We we can't do our analysis. Wait a minute. The toy maker was able to release this game on that short and notice that they had no time? Well, no, I I think they didn't didn't know this game was coming out until relatively recently. Whenever they sent sent Carmen in. You got news reports on this game release. Yeah, but that was after, I think, This Carmen is like was Gabo's already... coming to town. This probably had a big lead-in. Uh, well, I don't know. We, do, we never learn the details of the marketing <laughs> campaign of this game. You are right. We don't <laughs> learn that along, among many other things. I, I, unclear how long Carmen has been in the game. It seems like pretty recent. So, like, they sent her in the game. This game is coming out in, like, 12 hours or whatever it is. <laughs> like that that midnight the game is being released so they're on short notice they probably sent Carmen in 12 hours before she got trapped in the game out of desperation they called George Clooney the president who called Junie and then they only have 12 hours so they didn't have time to learn all this information okay. you know? it's okay. like they, they, normally they would have time to prepare and this is an emergency they, how could they possibly know that someone who used to work for them You're right. was, was involved in I'm going to stick with OSS is incompetent and worthless. I, I wonder, because I think there's some insinuation that the two of them, the Giggleses, were like were double agents or something, right? Because doesn't Junie say, like, are you guys okay? Are you guys going to be good? Junie says something to them when he first gets there, like, well, as if he's like, he doesn't trust them or something. I skipped over it, but so Mike Judge's character was a, a double agent because you, you get 
he he was the enemy in the second movie. Oh, that makes sense then. Because yeah, there was because there was some line of dialogue at the beginning being like, "Are you all right? Are you going to be okay?" I skipped over it, but it's it basically was that he was worked over by Francesca. And I'm like, I'm not sure if that's innuendo or was it appropriate that Salma Hayek was working over Mike Judge. I didn't right. know what that meant. So I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. So I don't. I mean, again, this is a kids movie. I don't think there was supposed to be innuendo there, but I kind of wondered. That's right. Well, I think it's we're supposed to take that she's making sure that he's not going to be evil or something. Well, yeah, she, she turned him from being evil in between movies. Right. Is what that line is about. Well, All right. What? Well, I'm sure she's got her ways. You know. I've seen plenty of Salma Hayek movies. Yeah, so have I. So, I'll, and including ones directed by Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, uh, probably thinking of the same one. Yes. Uh, all right. So, what's your next question? Okay. So, when Junie gets the opportunity to bring in a member of his family, and he decides to go with Grandpa, he appears in a matter of seconds. That's true. What's happening on Grandpa's side of things? <laughs> does someone fl- <laughs> does someone fly to him with like? A pair of glasses and says, just get in here? Like, no, I've got the answer. Because he goes like, where am I? Like He doesn't even know what's happening. So OSS is a pretty dominating organization, and it has agents or analysts at each one of this family's homes to make sure that they, in an instant, can just put the, fling those glasses like they sure. do at the end. So Grandpa actually was probably just like sitting around watching TV or something, and they just flipped these glasses on him, and he's instantly in the game. He had no interest, didn't ask. Right. He was just thrust into this game. Do you th- does Grandpa know that the person keeping an eye on him is an OSS agent, or is it just like, I'm your caretaker, I'm here Oh, to- no, I, I think he doesn't know at all. Okay. They're, they're under the guise, and it's probably uh, a caretaker in Grandpa's. And for the other agents, you know, so I'm going to say like mom and dad, they know that there are people there and that they'd say, look, you got to put these glasses on. I, I don't get the vibe that grandpa and grandma are active agents, though. No, I, I don't get that sense either. No. He does have a rocket wheelchair, so maybe that's an indication that he is. <laughs> I'm thinking of the Simpsons. I don't need any more money so long as I get my millions of dollars, my gold, gold house, house, and my rocket, rocket car. car. So Grandpa's got the equivalent of a rocket car. Speaking of video games, whenever I think of that rocket car from the Simpsons, there was that game Simpsons Hit and Run, I think it was called. Yeah. It was like a GTA style. I game. absolutely had that game. <laughs> and the gold house. And the, there's the rocket car was parked in the gold house, and you could take it and drive it around. I did it many times. Uh, <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Of course. <laughs> It drove like, a rocket car. It drove like crap. It, you couldn't steer it. It like could barely turn. <laughs> but it went really fast. <laughs> it did go really fast. It's straight, so you could because not turn. Because it's a rocket. What would sure. you expect? Yeah, it makes sense. I just, I, every time I see that clip, or well, I, I haven't watched that episode in forever, but it's like... That's that, what you think of as In, in my run. mind, the rocket car exists in <laughs> Simpsons Hit and Run. <laughs> you can go up to the solid gold house. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's go. I only got one more, so what else have you got? I don't. I know you said it a bunch, so uh, make sure you get yours. I mean, we kind of talked about this, but like at the end when all the family arrives and and various other people, and they all have they all arrive on rocket boots, but then when it comes time to fight the robot, uh, Antonio Banderas is up there flying and kicking the thing. The rest of them are carefully climbing up the robot's leg. Why? <laughs> Not sure if I have a good answer for <laughs> okay, this one. Fair enough. There's no, no good answer. No. All right, so. The problem for the rest of them, so Antonio Banderas, it's established, he's working, he's a scientist of some sort. I guess. That, that's he's, what's established in the 10 seconds that you get before he goes out on the call. Yeah. 
So I'm going to say that he's actually the one who has developed the rocket boots and rocket fuel. Okay. So he has more of a supply of the fuel. Everybody else used all their fuel to get there. Okay. That's, he's got spare fuel. That's a very good answer. Okay. I think it's thin, but that's the best I could come up with. Yeah. I mean, he definitely seems the most comfortable. Like oh, easily. When Cheech flies off, he's just like whoa. <laughs> Uncle unsteady. Cheech. Yeah. Uncle Cheech does not know how to yeah. use those boots. Danny Trejo manages to do okay. Absolutely. All right, so here's my last question. Okay. In a virtual of VR game, how does an exchange of a piece of paper with email addresses work? Do you does Carmen actually have that information or was how, how does she then know their email addresses? I imagine he, she would have to go back into the game to retrieve those email addresses because it's probably there's probably it's some a kind virtual of, piece of paper, right? Yeah, it's a virtual piece of paper, but it's probably okay. it, you know, it's probably like some kind of like in-game messaging like Oh, I put this virtual paper right. in my pocket, and then I can retrieve it at some well, point. Well, because my follow-up, yeah, that has to be in-game messaging, because somehow what I would question is that how does OSS trace them right, their to email. their email addresses? <laughs> That's how good OSS is. They can No, they're not good. I've already established it. They're worthless. Well, they're good at tracking people down through their email address. Apparently That's, so. That we have evidence of. Yeah, well, the funny thing is this game is shut down and will never exist again because <laughs> the OSS defeated the Toymaker. Right. So those, those email, email addresses, addresses are forever lost. Yeah, the, the, she will never be able to retrieve them. Not that she would want to. She makes it pretty clear. Oh, it was very obvious she had oh, zero yeah. interest in those jokers. Yeah. And that's, the fact that all three of them are like all collectively agreeing, like, here, we're going to give you our email addresses it's like if you're all three of you are hitting on her, wouldn't you be fighting about who gets to give the email address? You would think they so. all agree. Like yes, all three of us. We would all like to be romantically involved <laughs> involved with you at the same time. <laughs> it's there, a weird moment. There's some classy guys, <laughs> sure. All right. Yeah, well, we learned that they're not all what they cracked up to be because big the, surprise. The cool guy was actually not a cool guy. It's amazing that even in 2003, your avatar is not a representation of who you actually are. It's so weird now looking back at the, and like this is a novel thing still in 2003. Like on the internet, you can be anybody and present yourself in any way. It's like now in 2019, it's like that's an awful thing. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> we look back at that and it's like, no, I wish that wasn't the case. And you assume right, everybody is actually the exact opposite of whatever they purport themselves to be well sure yeah i think now people are much less are cynical about yeah exactly exactly well with all the bots and everything understandably so but just the the idea that this is presented as a positive thing i think is very i mean that could have been a thing we talked about in technology of like yeah the perception of this of like in 2003 it's like ooh, the internet is amazing you can be whatever you want yeah and now in 2019 it's like oh that guy could be anybody (laughs) (laughs) that's the tone now it's like it's the total all the wonder has been drained from the internet and just like oh you can't trust anything or anybody (laughs) that's amazing how technology can work that way uh yeah absolutely all right what else you got uh okay so apparently Junie and carmen can communicate telepathically which is a thing that i guess was established in prior movies that's what i took it as i would assume so but it's like throughout most of this movie Junie can't communicate because she's too far away well she's in that force field too in the virtual world though that's true. <laughs> in a virtual world, why couldn't he world, just walk up right to her? Is what you're saying? It, she's physically five feet away. She's in the next room, like in like a zero g. Yeah, it thing. would it would be the equivalent to say that in the Matrix movies, outside of the Matrix, they're in immediate proximity to one another right. and have telepathy, and it doesn't work. You're yeah, right. That doesn't make sense. They're physically feet from each other. Yes, the, the distance between each other in a virtual reality. I I don't know how telepathy is supposed to work in this world or in I any world, know. but. Why can't they... I guess this is more of an observation than a question. Yeah. So. No, I, I wouldn't have a good answer for that one anyway. All right. I have more, but I'm not sure if we need to cover them. 
I was wondering what all those people up in like the game room, like there's people in like weird Daglo laptops sitting there. Oh, they, I don't know what those people are doing. No, they were do, they were doing nothing. They it was clear that I think there's at one point that somebody is coming in and oh we got to get to work every. They are clearly they're just goofing off. They don't actually do any real work. Oh, up well, there. sure they, they make a joke of it because uh, Mike Judge when Junior walks in. He's like, well, I think this one's defective, and you're not sure what they're talking about, and then they turn around, oh, they're talking about donuts. Whatever, I don't know. That, yeah. may, that might be like a reference to a prior movie. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I guess I, we pretty much covered all my stuff. All right. Oh, one last question. All right, let's do it. And this is just, I wasn't entirely sure. The final robot, the toy maker's robot that he's actually in. That looks like Sylvester Stallone. That was my question. Is that supposed to look like Sylvester Stallone? I think so. That was the ultimate boss, and it looked <laughs> okay. like the toy maker. But it didn't, though. Or, or did you think it did? It looked enough like it to me that I thought it was supposed to be okay. Sylvester Stallone. So I, my answer is yes. I guess so. It looked enough to me that I asked the question, like, is that supposed to look like Sylvester Stallone? Yes. Okay. I don't think it looked anything. Well, as like... you said, when you're making the movie in your garage, sometimes sure. things aren't going to look exactly the way you want. Well, I mean, they spent $36 million bucks, so you'd think they would get some, they'd hire some animator who could I st- model a 3D robotic Sylvester Stallone. I still think that went to appearance fees to a lot of these actors, but... I mean, this feels like actors doing a solid for their Probably. buddy, Robert or, Rodriguez. Or because their kids like the movie. Some of them might, you know, movies might have wanted to be in it again because their kids yeah, enjoyed the could movies. Be. I mean, so. I think all of them were in previous movies. I don't, I don't think there's anybody who does a cameo in this movie other than maybe Elijah Wood. Oh, definitely Elijah Wood. I'm not sure if Ricardo Montalban was in previous ones. I didn't look uh, it up. I'm not sure. All right, all right it's on? time for the Silk Cozart Corner. All right, let's do it. Both of y'all! Yes, I'm back to this is the segment where I take a deep dive into some piece of internet trivia that the movie made me curious about, named after the actor Silk Cozart, in memoriam of his character in Eraser. That railgun. Uh, yes. So we never touched on it at all, but I want to talk about those sunglasses that Arnold, the strong kid, is wearing in the game. Okay. Because, I don't know if you're aware, those were real sunglasses that were sold at market. <laughs> They, what they are? They are sunglasses so like w- a helmet. They have instead of having uh, like earpieces that go to your ears, they go up over the top of your head. There's like these two prongs. Yeah, so the arms of the the glasses go are like a helmet almost, rather than uh, on your ears. As they, you said, they go back over the top of your head. Like over I your did s- not realize those were real. I thought that was some dumb thing made up for this movie. Nope, those were real sunglasses. I remember them. I don't think I've ever seen anyone wearing them out in the wild, but I remember... <laughs> I remember wild. I remember being aware of them at the time. I uh, I was reading from my research that they also appeared in Blade 2. I don't remember them from Blade 2. Ooh, I've seen Blade... I actually enjoy Blade 2. I remember liking it. Who- I remember nothing about it. No, I don't remember them being in Blade 2. All right, if you had to guess what these sunglasses are called, and let me give you a hint, the name is relevant to our podcast. I'll give you another hint. It's the name of a movie we've watched. Really? <laughs> no, I'm not going to get it. What is it? They're called Oakley Over the Tops. No. <laughs> feels so stupid. That's fine. I mean, we've covered a lot of movies, so that's fine. They are over the top. Over that the is tops outstanding. Because the things go over the top of your head. Did you look up and see if you can still like buy them on eBay? Uh, you can still buy them on eBay. Let me. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. I wanted to find out what is the deal with these sunglasses. Unfortunately, there's not a ton of information. Oakley has totally disowned them. You cannot find <laughs> a product page on Oakley's website. They, it's as if they never existed. Uh, is there even like a Wikipedia entry? 
No, not even that. I, I could not find any information. Wow, these must have been a massive failure. They were. Well, wait. Uh, I, well, depends on your definition of failure. So I found a Yahoo Answers page where someone asked in, back in 2010. Ask Jeeves. Uh, well, Yahoo Answers. So, uh, but uh, someone was asking, where can I get a cheap pair of Oakley over the tops? And there was a, they left a link to the Oakley, at the time was a, an active link, and uh, that link is broken. It no longer works. So, found that found. <laughs> right. That'll tell you that, that Oakley at one point had a product page and they took it down. That's how embarrassed they are, I think. Okay. So if you had to guess, buying a, a, a new inbox unopened pair of Oakley over the tops on eBay, what do you think? Today? You would have to pay today. All right. So Oakleys are a few hundred dollars new, generally. Okay. I can see this being a collector's item because it effectively doesn't exist. Okay. So I'm going to guess that it's going to go well over the top (laughs) of what they retailed at originally out of the box. I like your thinking. I'm going to guess. So let's say a pair of Oakleys is about $200 to $250. I'm going to guess you can get a pair for $750. That's a very good guess. The one I found new on eBay, Yep, you can buy it now for $1,259.99. It ha- yeah, it has to be something that it's a collectible that yeah. people... They're, I, they're rare. Yeah, I can see it. I don't think there's a big subculture, but I can see a subculture like sneakerheads oh, that, for, yes. for sunglasses, and I can see somebody that's like, I have to have these Oakleys, and they're that rare. That 100% exists, and we're going to get to that in a second. Okay. Uh, but your, your guess was very close for a used. You can get a used pair for 800 bucks. Wow. Buy it now. What's funny is that I would be tempted to buy a pair just to wear them. I'm not going to pay that. If you could go find a pair that only costs, you know, like... Even a hundred bucks, I might do it for a hundred bucks just to just go walk down the streets of Chicago wearing a pair. Would you? Would yeah. you actually wear them outside? I would do it just just to see the reactions because okay. it, it's sort You're a braver of, man than me. I'll no, because it's sort of like I remember. Now this is different, but I I was almost tempted because there was so much derision and hatred for Google Glass. I was almost tempted to, as like a social experiment to see like how much hatred and venom could you. You, I mean, I read about it where people like walking on the street, they would like yell stuff at people and, you know, be pissed. Yeah. But, but that's a pr- more of a privacy thing. So yeah, I kind of do understand. Them. Yeah, I do understand that. This is just ridiculous style. But like, that's the thing is I can just for the reactions in some way, it would be it would be interesting to spend a day walking around in those to see what people would <laughs> the looks and what you would get from people saying to you. Oh, it would be interesting. That's for sure. Well, in the absence of finding any actual information about who came up with this idea and how well the glasses did, which I couldn't find any real information, I did find a lot of comments from people, uh, and there is a big subculture of Oakley, in particular Oakley yeah. fans, so we'll get to that in a second, but here's the information I was able to find. There's not much, so this is from VintageSunglassesShop.com. They're charging 875 bucks. I don't know if those are used or new. And this is their write-up of the over-the-tops. It says, Vintage Oakley over-the-top sunglasses are one of the most unique and sought-after styles of vintage, vintage eyewear in the world. In this rare variation featuring an FJM silver frame along with highly effective lenses, whatever. Uh, seen in movies and on celebrities since their introduction in the 1990s and long since discontinued, Oakley over-the-top sunglasses remain one of the real icons of modern sunglass design. As the name implies, the Oakley over-the-top frame slips over the top of the head and is both comfortable and eye-catching to wear. 
uh, with blah 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 blah. Um, okay, that's that says very rare. A must-have for any serious O collector or fan. Very rare. And then there's a couple of cycling websites that have some commentary on it. I can see that. Uh, so I, I guess some cyclists used it like once or twice. Um, so here's a write-up. Cyclingtips.com. This is a retrospective on cycling sunglasses. And just very briefly, they touch on these glasses where it says, Oakley has always been the brand in the front seat with regards to style, development, and advertising. Sometimes they got it seriously wrong, though. <laughs> Just look at the over-the-tops from 2000. Were they simply a marketing stunt, or was Oakley genuinely trying to change what sports sunglasses could look like? Who knows? Either way, they suited their name and never stood the test of time. So that's uh, cyclingtips.com's commentary. And then here's MerlinCycles.com's blog from 2015. And this is a blog entry called Brand Focus on Oakley. And they kind of run down the history of Oakley. And it says, over-the-tops, 2001. Don't know what Oakley was thinking with these, but they certainly got people talking. <laughs> David Miller wore a pair under his time trial helmet in the Tour de France one year. I wonder if this is the year. Uh, oh, well, it would have been. That was the run. Uh, it was seven consecutive years. So, yes. Yeah, I guess so. Lance Armstrong would have won. Uh, can't remember ever seeing them on another sports person after that or anyone. Um, oh, and then there is one. I guess Flava Flav wore them once, and it's on the list of thecut.com's list of the 50 most iconic sunglasses of all time. And apparently the one-time Flavor Flav wore them. It it was iconic enough to make this list. I'm not going to read that. Those definitely do feel like something that would have fit in in Demolition Man perfectly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's like this post-Matrix cyberpunk style of the early 2000s. You know, like everyone wanted cool sunglasses, and this was just taking it to a ridiculous extreme. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I'm going to read some comments from people. There are a couple of people on YouTube who did, like, sunglasses reviews, and they were whatever. They basically said, like, I don't know. They're crazy. Here's here. I'm gonna try them on. There wasn't much to talk about, but I, I did enjoy some of the YouTube comments. That's normally actually the best part of YouTube. <laughs> well, sometimes it's the worst part of YouTube, but in this case, I enjoyed some of the comments. This is just I'm just gonna read some random YouTube comments. One guy says, "That's some Lady Gaga shit." <laughs> <laughs> that actually might be the best review for those. Uh, no, I enjoyed a lot of these. Okay, it says. One, one guy says, can't believe this didn't destroy Oakley's image, but they definitely destroy the image of anyone who wears them. <laughs> oh, uh, one guy says, Oompa Loompa glasses. <laughs> they look like a bra for your eyes. <laughs> Bro or man's ear? <laughs> no. uh, it kind of does look like a bra, like a bra for, your for your eyes. And one guy says, imagine the tan lines. Uh, okay, and then here's... okay. Let's get to the Oakley enthusiasts, and then we can move on. Because these made me laugh the most, because it's almost entirely people being like, I love these sunglasses, they're amazing, I will never wear them outside ever. <laughs> or, like, they're uncomfortable or whatever. So, okay, here's Oakley, oakleyforum.com, and then I'm, later I'm going to go to overview.com. These are Oakley enthusiasts. By and large, there were no, like, unequivocally positive reviews, even on, among Oakley enthusiasts. Yep. Uh, one guy says, I can understand the reasoning for getting these, but when I had a pair, I found them quite impractical. <laughs> like to be trying to like put a brave face on this stuff. Uh, I could see owning a pair for the display factor. I can't see them. I can't see rocking them around town. I used to own the FMJ ice iridium over the top, but recently sold it. I know sacrilege. I just figured they never got used. They just sat about and I wanted to concentrate on O's that I can actually wear. 
It's all, all of them just like, I, these glasses were great, but I, I never once wore them. Well, when you really think about it, think about how much space, you know, your sunglasses take up. I got to imagine that pair, they probably didn't fold. It was probably very impractical oh, no. where you store them. No, they, they are crazy. Like, they take up as much space as your head, basically. Right. Because uh, there's no way. They don't even fold up like normal glasses. There's no hinges or anything. Um, I never wore my over-the-tops other than trying them on in front of a mirror, then, pull, then putting back in... Oh, then putting them back in my collection. He wrote them, but I assume he meant then, putting yeah. them back in my collection. The problem with over-the-tops for me is that when you smile, they're right up, right up in your face, so you're constantly having to adjust them back down. I thought that might just be me, but other reviewers on overview.com confirm it's quite common. Oh, man. Uh, I enjoy like every, every one of these reviews. I, There's I found a different these, problem with them. I found these so much funnier than like bra for your eyes, because it's like these are people who just are trying to convince themselves how awesome these glasses are, and even they can't quite get there. Um, okay, here's overview.com. I'll read a couple of these. Uh, I actually got two pairs of these. They do rock, but you can only wear them when you're doing something active. They look rather naff when it's just when you're just walking down the street shopping. <laughs> uh, I wrote down way too many. I, I mean, I was I was really enjoying reading through these reviews. Uh, the day I bought these was the day I knew I had a big problem because they're uncomfortable. They're totally ridiculous, but they are so sick. All caps. <laughs> That's my. Even if it's just for collection slash display purposes, you have to get a pair. No collection is complete without one. He basically said they're completely impractical. <laughs> Every one of these is this. Okay, I'll, I'll, one last but one. But you've got to have you've them. You've got to have them for your collection. And this is just... The collection, I, I do understand that. The, like the collectible part. But to try and convince yourself that they have any pragmatic purpose... right? That, why collect sunglasses that don't function as sunglasses? Like, they don't even qualify as sunglasses. They're not functional. It's headwear. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. So, Basically, a hat is really what it is. Kind of, yeah. It, it's, it's a hat where instead of having a visor or a bill, it just <laughs> right, it goes over your eyes. It goes over your eyes. Yeah, that's really what it is. Um, anyway, we, we can, I've got like 10 more reviews. I have way too many reviews. Yeah, hey, I've got to assume they're basically all the same. Uh, yeah, it's, it's mostly this stuff. I'm trying to see if there's anything else. Uh, what? That definitely was an interesting... I never would have guessed in a million years that this is the rabbit hole that you would have taken us down. Yeah, I mean, I, I tried to do something relatively... I could have been like, let's talk about 3D movies, but it's like I wanted something a little more specific. No. This, this was the thing I latched onto. And any chance to be able to play Kenny Loggins is a positive in my yeah, view. Absolutely. The over-the-tops. Oh, this is, this is the last one. I, I like this one a lot. Just bought these from a small Oakley dealer in London. They had been on the shelf for eight years. <laughs> never thought I'd get a pair. <laughs> Those two things seem contradictory. <laughs> they were on the shelf for eight years. Never thought I'd get a pair. Oh. All right. <laughs> That's enough for Oakley over the I want to... Here's, here's a question that maybe you can answer. What shop can afford to have inventory sitting on its shelf for eight years yeah, I, I, and not just clear it out? I, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's an Oakley shop, a dedicated Oakley shop, so I imagine that's why. I guess. What else are you going to put on? More sunglasses. You may as well, you know, try and sell it. Eight years. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, All right. Let's move on to the body count. Yeah. This movie, we only killed 48 people compared to the last one where we killed 119. Well, when I picked this, it was pretty clear. This is the point or the segment where we discuss what uh, compare uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's body count right now to Sylvester Stallone's. Uh, and this is also the reason why the podcast exists. But choosing this movie, I was fairly certain I knew that the needle was not going to move. Yeah, to be honest, I didn't even really do any, like, 
any scrutiny. I, I watched the movie, and then afterwards, I'm like, oh, right, the body, body count. That was zero, right? Like, yeah. I, I, no, it was zero. Yeah, it was zero, okay. I, I didn't even, like, go back through to make sure it was zero, because it was like, I'm pretty sure it was zero. No, absolutely. Um, so let me, I didn't do my, my, my due diligence, because I just assumed it was zero, so let me <laughs> get We're doing stats. it on the fly. Yeah, literally doing, I, I'm updating my Excel sheet on the fly. Uh, we're so professional here. All right, so Arnold Schwarzenegger had an average body count of 14.76. Whoops, I screwed <laughs> up that formula. A lot of the this plane will, is crashing into the mountain. Much of this will stay in, I'm sure. Uh, okay, so now we have, we have covered uh, how many movies now? Uh, 30. We're at 30 Sylvester Stallone movies. So Sylvester Stallone now has a body count of, it still has a body count of 353 across 30 movies, which gives him an average of. 11, is that right? 11.76. I'm doing this on the fly. <laughs> I'm just double checking. Yeah, 11. 11.77 roundup. Well, the trend is not is not great. Rambo helped a little bit, but Spike is three really uh, put a damper on it. Yeah, he's, he's back over double, double digits, and hopefully he can stay there, but we will see. All right. Uh, so, okay, what's next? It is the important time. It's time for the Wrecking Crew Award. All right. Outstanding achievement. Uh, the Wrecking Crew Award. So this is the award that we give to the character and or act, well, not and or, but uh, an actor or actress in a movie that wrecked the most shop. It's difficult in Spy Kids 3, but I'm pretty proud of who my, uh, my nominee is. Well, I didn't think it was difficult at all. Why don't you go ahead? Or okay. Maybe I should go first. Maybe mine's more predictable, but I, right. I gave it to Ricardo Montalban. Okay. And is it because he's in the giant suit and picking up Junie and saying, reap that wave, Junie. Yeah, he takes out those uh, programmers and uh, saves the day there. He, he does. You're he right. shuts down the game. He's the one who saves the world by shutting down the game and saving all of the children of the world's brains. Okay. He manages to turn the toy maker back into a hero again, who's all about family. You're right. All of those are very good points. I, however, did not award it to Ricardo Montalban. Okay, I, I can't even imagine. Uh, my award goes to Danny Trejo just because he's awesome. <laughs> okay. And, I can't argue with that. And as you said, I forgot he did at least have one line. I thought he actually had none, and I was still going to give it to him <laughs> okay. because he is Danny Trejo. He is Danny Trejo, and Danny Trejo is awesome. And his character, Rex Shop, in the other movies, as I recall, so that his character's name... Oh, he definitely does in the Machete movies. Yeah. I don't know about the Spy Kids movies, but yeah. Um, uh, yeah. But here, right, fair enough. I'll, I'll accept this. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I think that's reasonable enough. So I, I did want to ask on this one: Can can the Kurtwood Smith of a movie become something new? Because Danny Trejo <laughs> sure. definitely fits. I'm so mad about staying alive. The Kurtwood Smith. It's like here he is, and then he's gone. Danny Trejo was kind of the same thing. He got, showed up and he didn't do anything. You got your fill of Kurtwood Smith in Rambo Three. Yeah, he did at least get a few few lines, but not very much. <laughs> yeah, he never came back after his. Introduction. It's true. Yeah, we. I, what line would we use for the Kurtwood Smith? We've got Zeus. I've spoken. I don't know what it would be. Yeah, actually, I don't know if there would actually be a lot of nominees. But I wanted to acknowledge in the Wrecking Crew both Kurtwood Smith and Danny Trejo. Yours is the is the more legitimate pick. Ricardo Montalban really is the only shop that's wrecked. Is he's doing it? I mean, movie. it's. I think it's probably implied the machete is off messing people up off screen somewhere. Well, that's what he was doing before he got called in, and then he had to go help his family. Sure. 
Yeah, it would have been, been nice if he just showed up just like covered in spatters of blood. <laughs> what was Machete doing? He's using that machete. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> I'm here to help my family. Yeah. All right. All right. The well, Rocky rating. Let's do it. Hey, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're punching car accident victims. No, 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 you don't understand. He was bad-mouthing my film. You're going to be mad at me. Uh, so this is the segment. segment where we rate the film based on Rocky opponents from an Apollo Creed all the way down to a Spider Rico. So we'll lead off with Kevin and see what he awarded this Well, movie. I want to lead off with you because I'm going to be the bone of contention. You're giving us Spider Rico? Spider Rico. <laughs> yes. This is that movie, a Rico Suave almost, thing you're doing there? Almost. This to me, as I said, and you're, you're going to disagree, but I don't care. This veered into almost Ratchet and Clank territory. This was a terrible movie. There's, there, to me, there was not anything redeeming, really, about this movie. It is a, it is a terrible movie. It, it's nowhere near Ratchet and Clank. Oh, you are not going to go... Yeah, I totally am. This is an Ivan Drago. Oh, it is not fun, man. It, it, is, it is a lot of fun. It's, it's fun. Other than Rip That Wave, was there anything really fun about this? I, I had fun watching the race. I thought that was a fun sequence. It was, you know, pod race-esque, you know, but it was still enjoyable. Were there midichlorians anywhere? There are no midichlorians. Well, he's the guy, so <laughs> it, does, it does have a chosen one narrative. Very so, much. Yeah, I think it, well, in both cases, the, that narrative was subverted, you know. Uh, it's one of the things I like about the Star Wars prequels. It's just like, oh, Anakin, he's the chosen one. It's just like, oh, crap. Declaring him the chosen one really backfired on us. This, is, this did not turn out good. And I think a similar thing happens here, where it's like, oh, he's the guy, and it's like, oh, th- this was a stupid thing to do. <laughs> Declare him the guy. Um, the visuals were obviously primitive, but I think they're intentionally so. And I thought that there was a certain amount of creativity to to the visuals. All right. Um, yeah, Ricardo Montalban is great. I I did really enjoy the totally crazy ending that just people are showing up and i have no idea i did vaguely remember uh, what's his name with the foreheads uh tony shalhoub tony shalhoub yeah i remember that character vaguely from the first movie i was like oh right there's a guy tony shalhoub with weird rubber heads um <laughs> total recall uh yeah kind of i don't remember why he's like that or what his deal is not explained in the slightest None like, of what it kind is of explained kind of a movie where you just this guy is here he's got four heads and we're not going to explain it it doesn't explain any of them there's there's like, steve buscemi's on a flying pig yeah. i get nothing yeah you get nothing it's really kind of amazing bill paxton apparently is a cowboy He's branding He's, a robot. Yeah, Dinky or whatever, right? He's I, brand. No, I have no idea. Was he a good guy? Was he a bad guy? I have he no must idea. be a good guy because he comes to save the day. He ropes and brands a robot, a giant invisible robot. No, but robot. weren't some of them? Wasn't Tony Shalhoub? Wasn't he a villain in a previous movie? Maybe. I have no idea. They're, That's what my point they're is. They're here to save the day now. But I, I, that that sequence is so crazy. I was like, I don't understand what's going on. But yeah, at least right. it's got a lot of energy, and it's at least I, I was afraid that you might move this thing up even further on it and be like a Mason Dixon the way you were talking about it. So I, I'm no, I'm satisfied with an Ivan Drago. It's 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 unrateable, which is why I give it an Ivan Drago because Ivan Drago is just like this movie is not. It's off the scale. No, it's, see, it's, I, it's at a, it's it's on the y axis. You know what I mean? Like, it, I think not, it's on the scale and it's bad. But see, to me, and Ivan Drago is ironically bad fun, and that yeah. that is not what this is. This movie is bad, and it's also fun. All right, so okay. I, I feel like Ivan Drago fits the bo- the the best as far as right. a rating is concerned. Well, it's not a high rating, no matter what. No, well, there's, there's no high or low. We've been over this. These these are arbitrary. There's, it's not a scale. It's not numerical. In your scale, this isn't a high or low. In the, mine, it absolutely The scale is. makes as much sense as the rules of the video game game over, in my mind. Oh, it's not supposed to make I'm, sense. I'm not going to agree with that. 
<laughs> let's let's move on to the important thing. I derailed us with this movie, so I'm hoping you're going to get us back on track with our next pick. Well, it depends on what you mean by back on track, but uh, you know, I try to find the biggest change of pace. Oh my god! <laughs> what do you what do you think I'm going with? This? I don't know, but I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if you should be afraid, but you know, this Spy Kids three game over was very silly and very stupid. And uh, oh, we're going to. New Brando, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to New Brando. You called it. All right. What so are we doing I wanna, New Brando? I want to cover a relatively serious drama about labor unions. Today is Labor Day. We're co- recording this on. So I figure what there's never been a more appropriate time on Labor Day than to choose Fist. F-I-S-T, Fist. Man, I don't... I Honestly, I know nothing about this. It's movie. a drama about labor unions. That's, okay. That's the extent of what I know. I bought it on Blu-ray because it was on sale. So I own the Blu-ray. Uh, <laughs> I'm not watching. I'm going to probably have to borrow it because I'm not yeah. sure I'm going to get that same sale. So, yeah. at least I can tell you that this is a drama that he was in because you know it's well known that Sylvester Stallone in his youth starred in a softcore porno. So you could very easily confuse this movie with with that. I can assure <laughs> you that this is not that. This is a a serious Hollywood drama. All right. Well. All right. I'm. These actually, these are the types of movies that I look forward to on this podcast. Same thing with Arnold. I looked forward to the ones that I knew nothing about, and there might be a hidden gem. I think this. I think Fist is pretty well regarded, and I think it did pretty well. Like, okay. It was a pretty successful movie. Right. It's directed by Norman Jewison, who has made a million movies. I, I I couldn't name them off the top of my head, but I know I've seen his name in credits a lot okay. as a director. Right. So, uh, you know, a competent director, a big budget Hollywood period piece. I think. I will give you credit. You owe. You are taking us in a much different direction. Yeah, let's let's get to New Brando. So that'll be great. next episode. All right. So if you've enjoyed the show, this is probably a tough one. I'm wondering why you're here for Spy Kids 3D. Game I over. think this was a great show. I think I think I, I enjoyed recording this episode. Oh, all right. It was better than uh, staying alive, at least. Oh, that was tough. <laughs> I, I think we had a spirited conversation about this movie, and you know, That's at least I, at least we had things to talk about. That, that we're staying alive. We're just like, I, I don't know. This movie is, t- is bad, and nothing to talk about. That is very fair on all counts. So, but this movie you, had a, a better story than staying alive. I'll begrudgingly <laughs> give you that. I'll meet you halfway. Yes, yes. I'll take that as a total victory. You just wanted you, to hear the You clip. know you have found some common ground there. This was a better story. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad alive. we agree there. It's a very low bar, but oh. it is a better story than staying alive. There, there is the lowest bar, staying alive. It tripped that bar over is it. on the floor. Yes, you cannot get exactly. any lower. <laughs> so if you enjoyed the show, please like us on your podcast app of choice. And you know maybe rate us a favorable review. Uh, if you have some thoughts on Spy Kids 3D Game Over... Feel free to tweet us, tweet at us at Arms Race Podcast. Uh, yeah, and if you like the show and you know someone else who might like the show, tell them about the show. It's, I, I, I feel confident that you could refer them to this episode, and I'm sure this will be a good one. <laughs> wow. Let them hear us argue. You're really selling this one. Yeah, this, this, well, we don't we don't disagree often, or at least not to this degree. So you know, this this is a unique one. All right, but uh, I had fun. All right, well, we'll be back with fist. No time.